0: This is Love What I Love, a podcast where we beg our partner to love something we do, whether it be a movie, TV show, or anything in between. We're your hosts, Andy and Marshall, and this week we're talking about juice. is a 1992 crime thriller about the day-to-day lives of four young guys in Harlem who get caught up in chasing power and respect, also referred to as Juice. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was directed by Ernest Dickerson and written by Dickerson and Gerard Brown, and it stars Omar Epps, Tupac Shakur, Jermaine Hopkins, and Khalil Kane. It -hmm. had a $5 million budget and came back with a $20.1 million gross in theaters. Nice. It was a pretty big hit. People loved it. The youth was uh, was enthralled. <laughs> and there's a lot of fun things to say about this. But the thing right off the bat is it definitely introduced most of the world to Tupac. Damn. People knew who he was. It wasn't the first time he was ever like on like in front of the public's eye. Right. But at the time they were filming this, they he hadn't dropped an album yet.
1: Wow. He hadn't dropped an album yet. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah. Damn, the year I was born.
0: Yep, yep, you that's and crazy. Juice are the same age.
1: <laughs> that's crazy.
0: So every every year you should you should have an extra drink for juice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we'll get a juice box or something. <laughs> yep, because that's what it is. <laughs> um it's crazy because I didn't realize the term juice had been around for so long. Oh, really? Yeah, I thought it was a new thing. No. Not new, but
0: Kids are saying juice? Yeah. I haven't heard it.
1: Or I, I don't know if kids are saying it, but I guess I've been hearing it in the hip hop I've been listening to these days, because it's pretty clear that I haven't listened to hip hop growing up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I learned
0: that rapper Juice World, who got killed like a year ago. Mm-hmm. Apparently, his name was because he grew up loving this movie so much that people called him Juice because he would uh. never shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> so I knew I I learned that he like he's like new generation. And he used juice, but I didn't know if it was, like, just specifically he loved this movie or not because the term was yeah, out there. Yeah, yeah. But also, I don't, like, I mean, I couldn't find, there's no historical documentation of when the slang term juice came out. But <laughs> as far as I can tell, it, it this term is older than this movie. Oh, so. They just, like, it was, like, a... It was like a dope term, so they decided to name the movie that. The main title song is by Eric B. and Rakim. It's called Know the Ledge, and that's what it's called on their album. But for this soundtrack, it was called Juice, parenthesis, Know the Ledge. But I never knew what came first, the song or the movie. But I found out that the movie, this song was written for the movie. And nice. it's, a, it's a banger. But yeah, some cool background stuff. So yeah, like I said, this was directed by Ernest Dickerson. It was his first time directing. He was a cinematographer before this, and he shot... All the great Spike Lee movies. Wow. So that's where he kind of got his come up on. But he shot Do the Right Thing, She's Gotta Have It, School Days, Malcolm X. That's
1: crazy. Malcolm
0: X was the last one he shot for Spike Lee because that came out in 92. It was the same year this came out. So he he stopped being a cinematographer after after this. He just moved on strictly to directing. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: that's a great way to segue into directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: But it's such a badass career before that. Yeah. Um, he, like, he shaped the way and... He, he even talked about the getting this, mo- like getting this movie made and getting to direct for the first time. It was a mix of a all the awesome work he did before it. I mean, all those Spike Lee movies are classics for a reason, mm-hmm. and they all have such a distinct look to them. But you know, it would just happened to be. That combined with the perfect timing of like new age of young independent black cinema and filmmakers, mm. we kind of had like a surge of that. You know, in part thanks to Spike Lee, but then also you got know, guys like John Singleton and things like that. So mm-hmm. those kind of co- combined where it was finally like the mainstream market was actually looking for movies like this. So it was able to, uh, he was finally able to get his hand into directing, and then yeah, he went on to make some other fun stuff. This is definitely my favorite movie he's made. But he hasn't made that many movies, and then, but his TV credits are fucking insane. This guy's directed. he's one of the most like prolific TV directors ever huh. and not like creating shows. I mean, like like directing actual episodes. right. I remember seeing his name as early as when I saw The Wire for the first time because I saw it i saw that like later in like life yeah as, as opposed to juice so as soon as i saw his name i was like oh, like i just kept seeing it pop up in the corner on uh episodes of the wire
1: uh-huh
0: uh, but then i googled him after that and like this guy's done everything from whatever that show is Bosch, that's out now uh but uh-huh. H- house of cards man in the high castle unsolved uh under the dome hey, the walking dead dexter Treme, uh, it's just, it goes on a burn notice, like everything from like not independent, but things like the wire to things like burn notice, you right. know, those are on different ends of the TV spectrum. So this guy has just been working like a goddamn beast. CSI, all the, all the, all the classics, all the good ones.
1: I totally know who Ernest is because I did watch that uh, documentary on Netflix. I forget what the documentary is called. They Gotta
0: Have Us. Yeah, we watched it together. Yeah,
1: yeah. I watched. (laughs) He was awesome in that documentary, but that's crazy.
0: Yeah, and they talk about Juice in that too, which I remember that was, because I never asked you, like, hey, have you seen Juice? But I remember when they brought all that up and you, like, didn't say anything or make any like acknowledgments. It's like, oh she's never seen that movie.
1: <laughs> but I remember being intrigued because I wanted to see Tupac in a movie. I'd only ever seen him in a different world.
0: That's so funny. I didn't even know he was in a different world until you were watching it and you told <laughs> me. You told me you were, he was in like the last season and you were early in the show and you were like, I think Tupac's in it. So I Googled what episode it was and I watched that one. Yeah. (laughs) Because I wanted to check it out. (laughs) It was pretty cool. But that's awesome. Yeah. I kind of, I'm kind of curious to see your whole history on, on all this whole kind of era Mm. of movies.
2: Mm.
0: So yeah. Why don't we just get into that first? I want to just talk about this movie in in general and then I kind of want to ask a more broad question, but what was juice to you? Was it a movie you heard of? Obviously you saw a documentary, but there was a thousand movies in that documentary. So I couldn't imagine they all like imprinted on your brain, you know, just from yeah. seeing, cause they talked it was a long documentary, but they brushed on so many movies and so many ideas. Uh, it, it, I even rewatched it before this, and mm-hmm. I was surprised at how short it was. I was like, "Oh, they only talk about juice for like four minutes." I wanted I, that
1: documentary to be like three times longer. Yeah,
0: it was pretty great. Yeah, but anyway, so yeah, when uh, when I said we're watching Juice, mm-hmm. uh, what did that mean? Did you did you even know anything before? <laughs> well, we hit first play? of
1: all, you were inspired to put on Juice after seeing Save the Last Dance. So, like five percent of me was expecting a dance movie. Ah, that's funny. <laughs> So I really didn't know what to expect with Juice. I hadn't heard of the movie at all. Uh-huh. Because everyone knows, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, that I've lived under a rock my entire life.
0: <laughs> if it didn't come out between 1996 and 2004, I right. like, there's no idea what it is. But
1: also, I don't know if I've said this, but growing up, my mom was very against hip-hop and rap. Mm-hmm. I remember my cousins used to listen to it and she would just yell at them if I were around and just tell them not to like play that stuff around me. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, I had one yeah. of those bringing up like yeah. I was brought up that way. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. um I feel like that sort of delayed my exposure to movies like this
0: yeah because i mean by the time you finally get exposed to the music you want to check out the music you're not right. gonna like dive into the movies about it if, if you don't even know the culture or the r- groups or the songs
1: exactly you're not
0: really gonna appreciate the movies as much so yeah i could see why you just wouldn't have gotten around to yeah, it
1: yeah so i hadn't heard of juice um yeah. i hadn't heard never, of juice and of juice. i didn't huh
0: never heard of juice
2: <laughs>
1: that's crazy yeah so i really didn't know what to expect coming into it at all nice. <laughs> <laughs> i don't really have much yeah to i didn't say. even
0: i wouldn't even let you look at the dvd because i didn't want you to even see like tupac or omar Epps or anything like i wanted it all to be like exciting as, right as soon as we started and it.
1: even though i did see a clip of it in the documentary we watched mm-hmm. i hadn't remembered what the name of the film was you know yeah so. when
0: when did it click that this was a movie from the documentary like was it while we were watching or after when you were like? It oh, was yeah.
1: while we were watching because it was a particular scene that they showed in the documentary. Oh, it was,
0: yeah, it was probably the, the locker. school. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. Yeah, there's only like the only scene that takes place in the school. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's funny. Uh, uh, and, but then what about Roku? before I get into mine? So I guess you kind of answered it by your, you know, not being exposed to hip hop and things like that. So I imagine this whole era of black cinema kind of gone unseen by you. I'm talking like the classics like Boys in the Hood, Mm. Straight out of Brooklyn, uh, Menace to Society, Yeah, uh, higher, eh, higher Learning, I guess, a little bit.
1: I miss this Give whole... Me the loot. Give Me the Loot, you ever see that? Yeah, I miss oh. this whole era, unfortunately. You ain't seen this? Nah, nah, I
0: haven't seen this.
1: What? Man, you ain't black. No, wait! Don't
0: take his blackness away. Why not? Literally every black person has seen Boys in the Hood. That's true. And every black person probably seen it about 20 times. But that don't mean we should take this man's blackness away for not watching it. We gotta give him a chance to commit to fully being black. So, here, I bought the terms and agreements of being black for you.
1: That's why that documentary was so inspiring. I was like, I gotta go back and watch all of these. (laughs) You know, it was kind (laughs) of (laughs)
2: tough. Caught up in the hood without without a positive male role model to look up to.
0: Message! Yeah, there's some I want to rewatch and some I know for sure that mm-hmm. I love and will probably be doing episodes down the line. But yeah, I, like you said, uh, I was inspired by Save the Last Dance. <laughs> As you can imagine, it was all the Sean Patrick Thomas storylines. Uh... Is that his name?
1: Yeah, okay. you got it. Yeah, cool.
0: go. <laughs> it was all the Sean Patrick Thomas storylines with, with the gang shit and the uh... not wanting to be in that life. But it was also all the side stories in that movie of like the black people Mm -hmm. And when I was kind of saying on that episode where I was like, I've kind of seen these things done in other movies before, but also just with a little bit more like real, not realism, but like with a harder edge to it. Yeah. You know, so when I see it in this kind of like PG-13, like kind of more safe environment, it just reminds me of those movies. Right. And then so just all those thoughts were just like, man, I want to watch Juice again. Like, I know she hasn't (laughs) seen it. And I feel like a lot of this stuff is touched on. So yeah, Save the Last Dance did inspire this choice, but nothing to do with the dance. Yeah,
1: that (laughs) is very clear to me now. So when did you first watch this? And did you go in knowing that this guy, Ernest, had worked with Spike Lee? Because I know you love Spike Lee movies as well.
0: Yeah, no, I didn't know he worked with Spike Lee. I saw this definitely in that same kind of era i keep talking about of my life when i was like anywhere between 13 and like 16 where i was just getting into kind of movies and also hip-hop music real hard at the mm-hmm. same time I and mean, i was just diving into all classics and everything i could get so i was kind of at the library rent movies and then i'd be you know trying to buy cds or download them on limewire or something like that so something like that <laughs> <laughs> allegedly allegedly <laughs> never did nothing
1: <laughs> nope no lime wire at all
0: so i know the first movie of this kind of era of black cinema i keep talking about that i saw was boys in the hood which mm-hmm. is probably also the most popular one and it's
1: that's a- will smith and martin lawrence right
0: no, that's <laughs> Bad Boys. Ah, <laughs>
1: there's so many boys. <laughs>
0: oh, there's such different movies. Bad Boys is like a Michael Bay action movie, like damn. like a badass, like we're cops taking down the criminals. <laughs> boys in the hood's like a somber look at life in the hood. oh it's, damn, it's got Cuba Gooding Jr. and Ice Cube and oh, Lawrence Fishburne. Oh, oh, yeah, it's fucking fantastic. I, I don't
1: know why. Okay, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> God damn it. Hey,
0: freeze! Back,
1: you freeze, bitch. Oh shit. I'm
0: fucked. Now back up. Put the gun down and give me a pack of tropical fruit bubble licious. And some skittles. I thought that one out because if you were just trying to do any kind of deep dive on these kind of movies or even if you just like hip hop in general, you know, I was those were I was just getting introduced to Ice Cube and NWA and those guys it was very easy to come up with Boys in the Hood. Mm-hmm. Ice Cube starred in it. He actually did a really good job, which... You know, now we've had a lot of rappers who we realize are great actors, but he actually crushed that shit when people didn't expect him to. Right. But that one has the most... In my opinion, of all this mo- the movies from this era, has the most mainstream appeal. It has a very straightforward message. It's, it's, it's sobering and hard as fuck to watch. It's a very dramatic film. Yep. But it's pretty cut and dry. Kind of like the good people are good and the bad people are bad. Mm -hmm. And it's, you're kind of like watching Cuba Gooding Jr. as a good guy in the hood trying not to Have bad things happen to them, you know what I mean? Okay. So it's it's a little more cut and dry, easy to swallow. It's very popular, won awards. John Singleton's great. I love that movie. Yeah. But it's uh, it's more for kind of everybody. Like it's 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 more of a crash, unless of like a do the right thing. Like kind of like you you can you can walk away feeling like sad, but also like okay, we we Mm -hmm. can if we work hard, we can not be here, you know? Right. And then from there, I was like, I want to see more movies like this. And then I checked out pretty much anything I could find related to it. You know, I had the internet at the time. It wasn't
1: I was just about to ask how you were searching for it. Yeah, it
0: wasn't it wasn't primitive. Like I don't remember it was, you know, if it was two thousand three, two thousand four. You know, we had a computer with decently fast internet at that time. Okay. So I was on forums and things like that, you know, so mm. it wasn't quite as easy as going on letterbox and typing in a movie and getting a bunch of suggestions. But you could you could find find things out. Yeah. So then I just went on a tangent watching everything from I actually might have seen Juice before I even liked Spike Lee because Do the Right Thing was the first movie of his. And I remember as stupid as this mentality was. So I was watching all these movies young and loving them, but probably for dumber reasons. Probably just because I thought, like, violence was cool. You know, like, I wasn't really watching them with, like, an intelligent eye. It was more like, look how fucking scary and cool this is. Like, you know, like, this is like... This is, like, some dangerous... Same reason, like, young kids love gangster rap. Like, it just sounds dangerous and exciting. Right. Without actually having to participate in any of the danger or yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was probably watching a bit different. So I remember actually holding off on Do the Right Thing because I was like, that's not, like, a gangster movie. Like, oh, they're not, boy. like, they're like I want to watch a movie about, like, you know, like, the N.W.A., you know, like, like that <laughs> kind of shit, which is retarded. But I was 12. You know, like you know. I get it. I get it. So I actually probably saw Juice before I even, like, Spike Lee was on my radar because then I said oh. do the right thing and I loved it and went on to all see all his movies. I see. But yeah, so Juice was just on that list. I, I obviously knew who Tupac was. you know. It had only been probably like six years since he died. So he was still kind of on the consciousness and things like that. So just knowing like, oh, it's a movie with Tupac in it. I knew he was actually another rapper who people regarded as a really good actor. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this will be cool. And once I read the plot synopsis, I was like, I got to see this movie. And then I just watched it. Uh, at that time, I was just getting into all the groups that are in the soundtrack and in this movie like mm. as like tertiary characters. So, you know, when they go to the record store and he goes, let me get EPMD's new album. I was like, I listen to EPMD. <laughs>
2: <laughs> like, this is great. Aww.
0: I just thought this movie was awesome. Like, I was like, this is this is so cool. And then, yeah, it was just one of those, like, I never went in my way to buy it. But I would just, like, rent it from, like, if I was ever at the library and I saw it and it had been a while, I would rent it. I would show my friends. Right. And it's, yeah, it just kind of was that from there and then if it's been referenced in a thousand hip-hop songs and It's it just comes up a lot like mm-hmm. when you're you know when you listen to a lot of hip-hop people constantly mention like eh, like like Q and Juice or like Bishop or this and that. Juice! That was a good one! <laughs> and then I hadn't watched it in a, in a while. I feel like that's that's what I love about this podcast is so many of these movies I like <laughs> forget how much I like them and because I'm like sometimes you just think like I remember it too well I don't need to watch it and yeah. then we put it on and I was like I actually it's probably been 10 years like since I've really <laughs> like really watched this movie. Yeah. Like I was probably twenty last time I did that.
1: And there's so much content out there these days that you're not really going back and revisiting stuff you yeah. love, which is another reason why I yeah. love this podcast.
0: So yeah, I just loved uh, everything from how like cool it made me feel as a twelve year old. <laughs> and I actually, you know, I actually like watching at this age now because I have s- takeaways that I never really even thought about before where mm. I actually always kind of thought this was like, oh, this movie's like not as deep as some of the other ones that I was just talking about. But it's really exciting and cool. So, like, I'll give it that, you know. And then I watched it this time and I was like, actually, there's some there's some nuanced shit in here that I'm really enjoying. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that was pretty much my history with that.
1: Nice.
0: The script uh, that was written by Dickerson and his uh, the guy he wrote it with, Gerard Brown, they wrote it a few years earlier, kind of like while they were in film school, just as, like, an idea for a story. Mm-hmm. But what I just thought was interesting um, was the whole angle they were going at from the very beginning of writing this was they kind of wanted to make a love letter to film noir movies of the past Mm. from like the 40s and 50s but just in a modern setting with black people and without it being so obvious that they're going for those parables so they really wanted to make it seem just like an authentic modern movie but when you boil down the themes and kind of like the plot structure to be, got a little bit more like a film noir.
1: That's awesome. Yeah,
0: I thought that was cool. There are times where I think that works a lot, and there are times where story wise, I don't, I don't, I never actually saw that. And to me, and I'll explain it more when we're in the plot. But to me, it seemed almost more like a throwback to the gangster pictures that Warner Brothers was putting out in the thirties and forties. Kind of like those, hey, see, like those Tommy Gunn gangster movies. Right, right. Um, to the point where they even watch one in this movie. And we'll talk about that when we get there. Because those were very different than film noirs um, in terms of the style and tone and the way the stories are told. Right. To me, this seemed like an homage to that. But who am I to really argue with the guys who made the movie? Right, <laughs> yeah. So stylistically and in the shots, I can see a lot of the film noir inspirations coming through. But to me, it just it feels like we're doing a modern day James Cagney, the Public Enemy style, kind of just old school gangster movie. Mm-hmm. You know, shooting Tommy guns and all the good stuff. Uh, that's all you know. You ain't so smart. Books and all that stuff don't hide everything. You're a liar, Tom. You're covering up. Covering up for what? For you? Oh, you're nothing but a sneak thief. What did you say? You heard me a pretty larceny sneak thief, a nickel snatcher, robbing the streetcar company. And I think that's kind of what makes this movie stand apart from its contemporaries, too, is that so many of the other, I, I hate that I keep just calling them the other because they're just because they were black movies that came out at the same time. But its it, it was an—it was a boom that lasted a certain amount of time and then kind of dissipated. So,
2: hmm.
0: I don't know, do you agree with that? That all these, like, young oh, young I movies see. made by young black people about young black people. Like, uh-huh. It was a huge boom that started in the late 80s and then kind of petered out in, like, the 2000s.
1: I guess, I guess so.
0: More so in like studios willing to greenlight those movies because the audience was a hundred percent there. Like hip hop was at its height,
2: right? Gangsta
0: rap was at its height, and so studios were like, "Yeah, we want, we want our own boys in the hood. We yeah. want our own menace to society." That's what I mean by like the era. I wasn't saying that these are the only time black people were trying to make movies. I'm saying no, no, no. I the think time.
1: <laughs> no, I, I, I didn't take it like that. I think they're always trying to make movies. And
0: that was a long-winded way to say what I think separates Juice from its contemporaries is. A lot of those movies, including Boys in the Hood and Master Society, goal of the movie is to kind of show the realism and the hardships of living in the inner city. Right, and it's like it's like almost like a message film where it's like like we want to give you a raw portrayal of this life, and I think Juice accomplishes that, but it never loses sight on that kind of film noir storyline that it's telling. Mm-hmm. It's always focused on the four boys and what's going on with them, and doesn't really stop to kind of talk to the audience directly about what life is like in the hood you know Mm -hmm. what i mean and that that works in certain movies but that's what i think stands this one apart it's so like stylistically ingrained in the genre that uh, the gangster film noir genre right that it uh it never like or it never loses sight of that and i think uh a filmmaker who's not as good as Dickerson might have lost track of that to be like, well, we got to, yeah, you know, they more just like show scenes of things happening. And and then instead of taking time to like have a full on very special moment, you know, so they get harassed by police, but there's not a long winded speech about it. It's just like, it's it's part of the life, you know?
1: Right. In general, I would say this film, and I feel like a lot of it, might have been inspired by his work with Spike Lee is that it felt like a real capture of real people. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just take the beginning of the film, for example, where these kids are at home, and they're sort of interacting with different family members. And it just doesn't seem scripted. It seems like a camera is just capturing (laughs) these moments. And I think that really adds to that element of realism.
0: Yeah, we've brought it up before, but it's the standard rule, like kind of show don't tell where it just Mm -hmm. works so much more when you're watching these guys in this environment and then you're seeing how it reflects back on like on their own psyche. Right. As opposed to just putting it in the dialogue.
1: Yeah. And they're not telling you to think a certain way. Yeah. Um, they're just showing you everything they want to show you. And then you come up with your own conclusions. Exactly.
0: Exactly. So yeah, that, that all, all that stuff is really interesting to me, but um, I think we can just jump right in. So talking about like kind of the plot and breaking it down from there. Yeah. Non-spoilers. <laughs> We open up right off with the slamming. I already mentioned it. Eric B and Rakim know the ledge.
1: My first note is heartbeats. I'm scared. Oh, that was so
0: funny. And I, I, I didn't, I never remembered that there was heartbeats in the beginning too. So I kind of noticed that, and then I was like, hey, we're about to hear like a banger, like a, like a hot track about to come in, and, and right. put it off. But uh, I knew, I remember that the movie just starts with like. Uh, a credit sequence and i knew all the names that i didn't want you to know were in the movie ahead of time (laughs) we're gonna pop up and i just saw you constantly looking up in excitement and then looking down and typing (laughs) into your phone so what did you get there you found out tupac was in it tupac
1: omar epps i loved seeing omar epps so young i've never seen him that young in my life yeah but honestly, too, I think the first thing I saw Omar Epson was House. That's <laughs> like, funny. You know? I'm
0: the f- I am like I definitely know him, but I, the, I don't know him from a, like, a lot of things. And it's so funny. So I mainly know him from Juice.
1: And Scream 2.
0: Scream 2. <laughs> and for some reason, you know that... Old video game i have on ps2 where the rappers fight each other yeah def jam oh. fight for new york he's in that game so, you can, play so as old, you can play as omar epps in def jam fight for new york that's so uh, cool so yeah so to me i know he's like a huge megastar but i'm like yeah scream 2 juice <laughs> and and def jam fight for new york that's omar epps <laughs> <laughs> in a nutshell
1: that's so funny but yeah i was excited to see omar epps yeah. um queen latifah oh my god i mean that was like Great, <laughs> um, Samuel L. Jackson. Yep. That was crazy. We already said Tupac, so yeah, I was really excited. Nice,
0: nice. <laughs> that's awesome.
1: Leave it to the opening credits to spoil,
0: yeah, yeah. And then, but you- there's no way for them to, <laughs> yeah. and then you touched on it how we get to see each of the four kids' kind of home life as they wake up in the morning. And yeah, the casting on these guys I think was pretty great all around.
1: And I don't know what it is, this is the second time, but uh, Raheem. Is I don't know the actor's name.
0: Yeah, when he popped up and you were like, oh my god, and I was like, who the fuck does she know this guy from?
1: So he's in girlfriends. Uh, he's one of the girlfriends' husbands oh, in that's the show. Hilarious. So I was like, freaking Darnell's then. Wow, that's <laughs> so funny. So that's <laughs> why I got to Because I've never
0: seen that guy in anything other than this. Yeah. Or if I did, I didn't recognize him, you know.
1: I appreciate him more in girlfriends seeing him in this movie. Because for me, I'm binging it right now. But for me, he replaced... Flex, who's also in this movie. Oh, really? <laughs> he replaced Flex as Darnell, so I was a little pissed at at him, like being the guy who replaced Flex. But I don't know, like I have a more of a, an appreciation for him now, seeing him in this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> that's pretty funny.
1: But it's it was pretty cool that both Darnells were in this movie.
0: Yeah, it was just funny to me to see your reaction because I was expecting it for so many people, but oh. not for him. And so I was like, what is she doing for him? And yeah, we le- we learned their home lives. They all pretty much have. Uh, at least some sort of an active kind of parent or someone in their life kind of telling them what to like putting some kind of structure or at least (laughs) trying to get them to go to school until we get the two box home life which i love this because there's so much so many questions there's so much you can take from this without it like downright telling you any of it even down to the fact that the other three boys were all in bed and had to be yelled at to get up and then we cut to tupac and he's already awake you mm-hmm. know like he's up and dressed looking in the mi- or not dressed yet but he's he's just looking in the mirror just like in some kind of deep thought you know like he's yeah. not he doesn't have the same kind of carefree attitude of being a teenager that the other three guys have yeah. like raheem scamming his sister out of five dollars to give her the bathroom yeah, uh, Steel's sleeping because he's, you know, all chunky on the floor. <laughs> and his brother's yelling at him, you know, Raheem's, accused like, Q's playing his music. So they're all, like, they're all, like, kids. Yeah. And then you cut to this motherfucker and he just looks, like, stone cold in the mirror. And his dad. Yeah, so, yeah, he's got the grandma cooking dinner and then he's got his catatonic dad sitting in front of the TV.
1: Mm, I did not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was immediately intrigued yeah. I just wanted to know what was up with him. Is he earning something like for his dad? Like, is he a caretaker? Like, I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. In the beginning. But, uh.
0: Yeah. So you don't get a downright full explanation, but there is dialogue a little bit later that can kind of piece it together. Yeah. Oh. But not really the money thing for my, the way I've always saw it was that's him giving money to his dad. Right. Because his dad can't do anything. But I also don't think he's working for that money. I think oh. he's, he's stealing that money from places. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I don't think he's he's going to a day job to uh-huh. to help his dad out. So I think he's doing because he's already he's already got the gold chain with the Uzi on it. Like he's definitely mm-hmm. into the criminal lifestyle. Whether or not he's committing like full blown crimes or just like petty shoplifting or whatever, but right. he's definitely like on already on that kind of mindset. Um, but I mean, did you catch like anything about his dad? Like do you, do you do you? What's your take on all that? The only.
1: <sighs> The only thing that I took away was is what he has genetic in some way.
0: <laughs> I mean it's genetic, but his dad was in jail. Uh-huh. So the way I've looked at it was his dad used to be like a more normal guy. Mm-hmm. Probably was into criminal shit the way the way Bishop is. I'm just gonna say Bishop to so yeah. call him Tupac. The way Bishop was and then went, went to jail, saw some shit, you know. Mm. Might have even gotten raped, you know, something horrible. And then has been this catatonic and dead I since see. he came home. And so Tupac seeing that, seeing what jail does to someone. Because his Tupac has a problem the whole movie of anyone either trying to control him. He has this whole aspect of feeling helpless, feeling like he's always either on the run or has no control over any part of his life. Yes. And so seeing his dad go to jail, which is the ultimate... You have that's the the least control you'll ever have on your life is being right. in jail. You're uh-huh. you're completely not in charge of anything that you ever do until you get out. So he saw that happen to his dad and what that does to what that could do to a man. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of informs his fight or flight kind of like like if I'm not fighting, I'm gonna be a I'm gonna be that. Yeah. And so I think that that's kind of how I took it. Because it's, it's not till later when he runs into the rival gang, Radamez's gang, that mm-hmm. he's calling him gay, like just like his dad, you know, ever since your dad got out of jail. Mm-hmm. So that's like a classic, like macho thing. You know, if someone goes to jail, you automatically start throwing gay slurs at them because gay sex happens in jail. So, right. You know.
1: I got to say, too, one random thought that I had after learning about these four characters and that they're friends and they sort of, you know, it. it Compared to the other gangs, I think they're a little softer, right? Like they're doing crime, but they're not like doing crime.
0: Yeah, and I wouldn't even. I mean, it's it's pretty funny you call them a gang because later in the interrogation scene, I was I was gonna bring that as a a point in the dialogue. I I think I think they're kids who get into trouble. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. that's what I meant. Like they're just like you know a close knit group, but to me, it kind of gave. Obviously, this movie came out before this, but I was getting the same vibes I got from, like, Better Luck Tomorrow, which we Uh watched. You know, just these four...
0: Very similar,
2: yeah. Yeah,
1: four friends. I mean, there might have been five in Better Luck Tomorrow, but just one being sort of off the rails, like a Jason Tobin character. Yeah. And that was Tupac's character for me.
0: That was Bishop. Yeah. Interesting. It is very Better Luck Tomorrow-y in terms... And, like, the themes and ideas behind it. Yeah. And then, yeah, from here, we kind of just... It really the first half of this movie sets it up as almost like a dazed and confused day in the life, yes, type of movie where we're just gonna we're just gonna bounce around and see what these kids do, yeah, in a in a single day. So we see them, you know, cut school immediately. They're going to the pool hall. They're they're playing you know arcade games and playing pool and kind of just trying to hustle some money. And that's where uh, Sam Jackson runs the pool <laughs> hall. Uh, I love a young Sam Jackson. <laughs> he's, it's great. he's great. And when I say young, it's like. <laughs> adult <laughs> yeah like he was still like 38 you know like when they made this you know what i found out though um remember in the beginning when uh i think it's Steele's mom yells at him she only has one scene you mm-hmm. and you only see her like in a close-up and she's like boy you better get up and clean your room oh, like,
1: uh-huh.
0: uh, and she yells at him through the window later so not q's mom the, the mom you only see once okay so Steele's mom yeah that's uh, sam jackson's wife. no way yeah that's cool They've been married since 1980 Whoa. So like way before he was ever famous. Like I was that was when he was like before he was even got got his start in Spike Lee movies. And they're still married. Yeah, yeah.
1: I like that. <laughs>
0: but I could definitely imagine. I mean, his role in this to me is he's like the same character that he was in uh Do the Right Thing oh <laughs> uh, just without a radio station
1: <laughs> like oh. he's
0: that same just like neighborhood guy everyone likes him he's always talking cool like like you he never he's always like slick as shit no matter what he says you
1: know he, I mean? he he uh gets news before anybody yeah, else oh, that's my favorite asset. <laughs> the,
0: the fact that this dude this movie's mad realistic. This guy's magic and I don't mind it. <laughs> like he says some shit and then you walk outside and the whole town knows it. Yeah. Like it's it's fucking it's pretty funny. Cuz it's like an exaggeration of like there's always that guy in the neighborhood who's yeah. just who knows everyone, everyone likes him, he can get you news from wherever you want. But the fact that they upped it to such an exaggerated level always makes me laugh. <laughs> uh (laughs) i just don't want to forget to say it i know we're jumping ahead but after when q wins the when he gets when he wins the audition and gets Mm -hmm. gets to go to the contest yeah he wins it walks outside takes five steps sees sam jackson and sam jackson goes hey heard you got that thing congratulations and he's like how'd you hear that And he just goes (laughs) like ah like, you know, like, I hear it all.
1: <laughs> I asked the question as soon as he asked yeah. it to. like, how like, do you hear
0: that? Yeah. <laughs> that's
1: and a and that's character. a good example
0: of, like, you know, this first half of the movie. It's very light. I mean, like, you know, they're even though, like, serious things are happening, it's still very lighthearted and there's still jokes. So right. even when they're getting run out of the arcade by the cops or whatever, mm-hmm. like, Steel still stays behind to play video games. You know, like, it's not treated as this big, like, moment to show you how much this affects the kids in the neighborhood it's like no this happens every fucking day
2: yeah
0: he wants to play some some street fighter you yeah. know what i mean can i before we get like i just gotta give a shout out to that that's street fighter 1 they're playing there oh my god yo i had never seen street fighter 1 in my life until i saw this movie street fighter 2 is one of the most successful fighting games all time i don't know the numbers but i think it might be the best-selling fighting game ever they've re-released it probably eight times it's on every system that's ever been like you, you couldn't, in the 90s, you threw a brick, Street Fighter 2. Everywhere you went. That's not even a phrase.
1: What's the difference between Street Fighter 1 and Street Fighter 2? No, Why a, is 2 more of a hit? It's
0: amazing. 2, oh. two fixed that. Like, 2 is so much better, you couldn't even believe it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so, 2 set the standard for everything. And so, I grew up my whole life with 2. I had 2 on Super Nintendo, 2 in arcades. Only 2. I never even knew what 1 existed. Like okay. I, I imagined it did because it was called 2, but there was no internet to look it up. So, and then I had a cousin once who told me, he's like, yeah, there's a, there's a Street Fighter 1, but you could only be one character and there's only two buttons and like all this shit. And I was like, really? I don't know. And then. That's what they're playing in this movie. And uh, that was the first I was like, that's gotta be it. And then <laughs> as time went on, the internet came out. Now you could easily find the uh, Street Fighter One footage. That's funny. Um and then they actually had it in our in the Barcade we would go to from time to time before COVID. Oh yeah. And so I finally got to play it probably like five years ago. <laughs> and it does suck. Like I get Ten. my Street Fighter 2 was better. But I just remember this being like this movie like proved to me that Street Fighter One like existed. Wow. Oh uh, was pretty cool. <laughs>
1: Origin stories. Plus, well,
0: I want to say about that. Um, but I felt like you were about to talk about this scene of the pool hall and the cops and everything. <laughs> but I cut you off to see Street Fighter.
1: It totally went over my head. But I was like, "Why are the cops even there?"
0: Because they were supposed to be in high school.
1: That's ridiculous. No,
0: those are, they were truancy officers. Those are real things in, in oh, neighborhoods really? like that. Yeah, yeah. Their their job is to go around and look for kids cutting school and bring them back to school. Oh wow, I did not. know. Yeah, hear yeah. That. That's. Uh, And that was even, like, Ernest Dickerson wrote that from his, like, own person. Like, growing up in Chicago, like, they used to run from truancy officers all the time. Oh,
1: snap. Yeah,
0: yeah, because, like, so many, you know, like, you have a school with such a high, so many kids in the school, you're in a city, so it's so easy to kind of just not go. You know, it's not like the suburbs or a bus takes you there and you're not really surrounded by anything else. Uh Uh-huh. So, you know, kids cutting school was a big problem, so they would send officers around, which is why Steele wasn't that freaked out about play in the game because he wasn't getting arrested he was getting taken to school i see and then that's the next scene afterwards when they're all waiting outside the room and then like that's what's hilarious is like steel gets caught by the cops after they run away and then they're just waiting outside the school like they know they're like he's gonna break out again like (laughs) and then like within five minutes he walks out and that one teacher starts chasing him again
1: That answers my second question because I was like, that police station looks awfully like a school. Oh, that's funny. This all went over my head. Also,
0: you can't just sprint out of a police station. (laughs) and They're not going to chase you to the end of the block and then stop. They're (laughs) going to fuck you up. I didn't know. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Thank you for answering those questions. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: That fucking chase, man. I always get so tired just watching them. They run so fast. I, I, <laughs> I see shit like that, and that's where I'm like, yeah, man, Tupac, He def- it wasn't his first time running from the cops. Like, he definitely, <laughs> like, it's like, so yeah, I've, I've done this before. <laughs> Even uh, the way he, he hopped the fence, I was like, man, that was a
1: cool way to hop a fence. Yo, there is no way I'm going to be able to escape. Like, I need to work on my upper body strength because <laughs> I cannot
0: do what they did. <laughs> I imagine you've never run from the police.
1: <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> no, <I'm just>
0: kidding. <laughs> we did in high school, but it was always just because we were you like.
1: You ran from the police. Yeah,
0: well, we'd just be drinking, like in the park, and then the cops would come up to bust it up, and everybody runs in a different direction. What? Yeah, all the time.
1: Oh, all the time. <laughs> Not all the time, but like <laughs>
0: From time to time.
1: What? Do your parents know about this? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the fuck do my parents know about this?
0: I didn't say I got caught by the police, I said I ran from the police. <laughs> <laughs> like i caught caught them anyway.
1: damn that's crazy uh, whoa you had a crazy uh, life
0: one time because we would we would hang out uh at that park by my house the one that you've walked through with me yes the big giant one mm-hmm. and uh the walkways to get in they were they were just big enough for people obviously not for cars unless you walk, unless you drove up on the grass from like the drive from the parking lot okay which they had gates just happy from doing that to my buddy <laughs> My buddy had a car. (laughs) He had a very small Jeep, uh, like a little Wrangler. Oh, too specific. Yeah. And uh, so his car could could get could fit in the walkway. Yeah. So we would drive it onto the park when we hung out at night. That way we could have like music and, you know, we could put like a cooler in the back of his car so we could have beers up there and stuff like that. Right. And so, and plus, you know, other people would hang out in the park and we'd be the coolest motherfuckers because we were like the high school kids who had the car up there.
1: Oh, this is so dazed and confused. So and,
0: and from time to time, the, you know, someone would complain. we play music. Someone would complain. The cops would come and we'd have to run out. And the <laughs> would <whatever. laughs> so if that ever happened the goal for my friend with the car because he was really the one who was at the risk of getting the most in trouble Mm because the rest of us could jump fences and shit was to get into that that walkway right because they would drive up with their police cars from the parking lot and drive on the grass Uh to kind of trap us because they would hear a car's on there so if they went up the only way a car could get in we couldn't get out right but would just go straight for the entrance that because once you got in there their their car can't fit so it's over Uh, and by the time they went around fucking gone you know like not even close so there was one time where they came and i was like halfway between that entrance and the car and i was just like i was like fuck this if i don't get in there before the car like before the jeep gets in then the, the cops might get me. So I sprinted like four as gob. Never ran as fast as my life. Oh my and God. I got I got in the tunnel and then the car right behind me and I was just sprinting. My friend's <laughs> driving the, the Jeep behind me and I'm sprinting right, right, right on my tail. And then we get out to the street and I just hopped on the back and we drove up. Yo. <laughs> oh, it was mad funny.
1: That's crazy. Uh, they never followed up. They didn't, there was no epic car chase.
0: No, there's the way. Where that entrance bled out into, it would take you, like, three minutes to get there. Like, the cops would have had to go all the way to the front, then go down, like, three blocks and make two right turns with a red light in the way to get to where we were. So, by the time they got there, we were...
1: That's... You did a sprint and hop in the Jeep Yeah, It was was all
0: thought about. Not really... I mean, he slowed down. Like, it wasn't... (laughs) It wasn't as cool as whatever you're picturing in your head. Like, once I got there, I was out of breath. Like... (laughs) You know, like he stopped. I was like, that was crazy. Like it wasn't it wasn't fucking Ethan Hunt. Like I didn't like grab on and fly through
2: the air.
1: It wasn't no fast and furious. No,
2: not at all. It was it wasn't as
0: elegant. Even my memory of it is probably cooler than it actually looked. <laughs> like I probably thought I looked cool, but no, nah, no
1: way. That is crazy. Damn. What a life you had. Eh, it was fine.
0: <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: so this this part must have been like cool for you, like relatable then.
0: Yeah, but also not relatable because I also didn't have the fear as a white dude in the middle of the suburbs mm. getting chased for drinking beer. Like, yeah, if I got caught, slap on the wrist, then I got taken home. You know what I mean? Like, it really... Uh-huh. So, no. It didn't relate to me like that. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> just, uh, just putting that out there. We also knew that we were all pretty safe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, valid point. Yeah. So, as we're getting more details about these guys' lives, we're we're learning that they've made Mistakes. They definitely do commit some crimes, yeah. but they're not really bad-hearted people. They're just yeah. young, and honestly, products of just the environment. It's-
1: yeah, you could tell what their limits are too, and I think the scene that helps you establish that is when Q goes into the bar to get cigarettes for Raheem. Yeah, and you know he bumps into a familiar face, and the uh, guy's like, "Excuse me, while I rob this place." Yeah, or, yeah. I forgot what he said, but it was like, pardon pretty- me, I gotta rob this place real quick. Me. Uh.
0: <laughs> And, he, and I never really listened to the dialogue before that um, <laughs> but like he just got on parole like a month before yeah. he was like yeah I just got out like a month ago and it's so easy to forget how young all these guys are like we're really watching a movie about kids yeah it's just a growing up in the city is just different than growing up anywhere else when you like I didn't grow up in New York City but even knowing people like this who did it's just you kind of just grow up faster. Yeah. Because you're 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 basically on your especially if your parents work and shit like that. You're just on your own in like the world. Yeah. As opposed to going up in the suburbs where you're just kinda in your town and you ride, you know, like we rode bikes around and shit. But like when you're just going to the corner store and you're seeing adults and people are treating you like adults. Right. And then and then also just the way society also does kind of just treat certain, like sometimes you, they'll look at black people as older black men as older than they are you know of like cr- tried as adults when they're not adults you know central yeah. park five type shit I, for me watching this movie at age like 12 or 13 they seemed everyone seemed older that like they to me there was like yeah these are like old people because they're older than me mm-hmm. but like now when i'm watching i'm like god these are 17 like they're supposed to be in high school like yeah. this is crazy and even the actors like they're all pretty young it's kind of a bring it on situation though with one old one though so <laughs> Rah- khalil khan who plays raheem Rahim, he was uh 26 oh damn but omar Epps was 17 the guy who played steel was 17 and tupac was 19 when they oh were my god
1: freaking raheem didn't look that much older than yeah. Them. yeah. that's crazy
0: and it's mad funny too now, uh, cause I watched the uh, a bunch of modern interviews they did for the 25th anniversary, Aww. and like he looks the best out of all the guys. Like it's <laughs> it's insane. Like I was just like, damn, dude, like you, wow, you're you're 10 years older than all these people, and you're you're aging great.
1: I want to watch that.
0: Oh um, yeah, man, it's pretty interesting. It's pretty cool. They did a, uh, I guess there was a Blu-ray release for the 25th anniversary, so uh, they uh, they filmed a bunch of special features. That's cool. But yeah, so that was that scene that you were just talking about. That's where we first see kind of yeah the moral compass for them as a group. Mm-hmm. We also learn more about Tupac's mentality because he's kind of been he's been the tough guy up into here we see him getting harassed by the other by Radamez's gang. I like how good Tupac plays it here. He's so good at having anger but also having like vulnerability mm-hmm. uh, that's one of the things Dickerson said when they were casting that role was Tupac was the only actor who didn't come in. And just play like angry and crazy, mm. like everyone else. He said who read that road mm-hmm. role just interpreted it as, like, "Oh, I'm the vi- I'm I'm nuts. Like I'm gonna come in and just be the bad guy who who who's crazy all the time." Yep. And like Tupac, like he said, Tupac was the only one who realized there was like a deep pain and insecurity that's causing this. Yeah. And so like remember when he's getting stuck up around him as his gang and he's like he's so scared like they're gonna fuck him up and then when he sees his when he, he sees smiles. his crew that's when he gets he becomes macho and bravado and tells him to go fuck himself and yep. you know all that stuff so yeah tupac is just so good and then this scene where you see that he has kind of a different mentality on life than the rest of the crew because like hugh comes in to be like yo blizzard is in there robbing that place right now as if to be like isn't that nuts yeah and then tupac was like let's get in there then you know what i mean like yeah even the other guys they were like and he let you go like they didn't even fathom that they could have been part of it right you know and he was like i yeah, even I felt he like
1: Q was battling mentally with the fact like should i do something like i felt like there was some you know a bunch of thoughts yeah, going on yeah. in his head
0: yeah exactly
1: but yeah you're right we get to see how uh tupac's characters You know, he wants in on it. He's like, you said no when he was offered you part of the pot?
0: That leads to uh, probably, like, my favorite just, like, section of the movie is when they're at Steele's house. Right. Just hanging out, uh, watching movies and eating food and stuff like that.
1: So what movie were they watching? So they were
0: watching White Heat, which was funny because I definitely saw Juice before I saw White Heat. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even, like, think to look up what movie that was when I was buying DVDs like crazy and trying to just see as many old movies as I could warner brothers released a collection like a six dvd collection of like their classic gangster movies Mm -hmm. and most of them starring james cagney and i was just like oh i think i've heard of that guy before so i bought that uh and then just like was watching all these public enemy the petrified forest angels with dirty faces and i was loving them and then there was one those were all from the 30s and there was one from like 49 called or like 41 but like a decade later called white heat and i watched that one and i was like enthralled with it and then halfway through it was the scene played from this and i was like the fucking Tupac movie, <laughs> but yeah, it's a very similar movie where James Cagney plays a character just like Bishop in this, and what the part that they're watching is kind of the end of the movie where he's he committed this crazy crime, he turned on everyone in his life, and the police are chasing him, and he's having a shootout, and then he like climbs on the top of this gas—I don't know—tower. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, and then basically, you know, he's surrounded. The cops are telling him to give up, and then and then he's instead of giving up, he laughs and goes, "I'm on top of the world," and then blows up the thing and kills himself yep. to die in a big blaze of glory. <laughs> And so that's the scene they're watching in this, and that's when Tupac, like, clearly just getting the wrong message from it, where he's like, do you see how cool that was? Like, yeah. that's how you got to go out with your destiny in your own hands. And that's kind of where I think the whole theme of the entire movie is, where Tupac never, never feels like he has control of anything in his life until he starts intimidating people. And that's when he realizes that he he can have power. But right. it has to be through violence. It has to be through this kind of craziness. Yeah.
1: In the script as well, I think that they did a great job of writing just the right amount of sense in this character's point of view. Yeah. You know? Because he spoke a little bit about being a black man and you always have to run. You're always running. Yeah. He's like, and we're running l- from
0: the police. We're running from Rodimus. Yeah. We're running from uh, the store owner with the pistol. Like, we're always running.
1: Like, yeah. And I felt for that yeah, part. Yeah. Like, I, I totally got it. But... I don't know. I really sympathize with him, even though I knew he was kind of overboard. You yeah,
0: know? no, it is. And like you can tell that while his friends see his point, they're also not um, they don't just don't take it as like seriously, like right. Like there's the part where he talks to Steele where I thought was really interesting where he says, Something where he's like, I got more control over your life than you do. And he was like, How do you figure that? And he's like, I'm letting you breathe, ain't I? Mm-hmm. And you know, that's it's an interesting thing that he says that. And then he immediately comes back with you can't even walk down your own street without getting harassed. And they all like laugh at him. And you could just tell like that, like that like fucked him up a little bit, yeah. where he was just like, Like, yeah, like i I am always getting fucked with and this and that. Yeah. And then he has the fight with Q. And you know, it's it's kind of crazy where they turn on the news and they see that Blizzard got killed five minutes before that yeah and the takeaway that most people i th- I think would have <laughs> is like holy shit that could have been us we yes. could have been there and tupac was more like yo we should have been there and that wouldn't have happened if we were there because we would have had his back hmm. and and you know that doesn't matter and you know and yeah. that's what q was like it would have been five dead you know black people instead of totally. one
1: and the last tragedy in that scene being that the vase broke oh
0: yeah and steve <laughs>
1: i felt so bad for steve
0: i just love that because that like the movie never like stops to f- let you forget that they're still kids like yeah. he's worried about how mad his mom's gonna get that they broke the vase you know like and it's like they're dealing with such adult shit and such scary fucking like yeah life and death and everything and and it's at the same time they're just like kids you know like steve's trying to try, i mean uh, q's trying to be a dj you know steve just wants to eat some eggs and right and bacon or whatever
1: it's crazy how much they feel like they have to prove. I feel like each one of them is just fighting to prove something. Yeah, it's pretty clear with Bishop what he's trying to prove. Rahim with him trying to prove like he's a man.
0: Yeah, we didn't mention, but he has a he has a baby, and and uh, he's not really like a, he's not being a good father, and the the girl wants something to do with him.
1: Right, and you know, just people constantly challenging him, like, oh, I thought that was your girl. It's just sucks yeah. how much they have to. Put so much effort to prove it's, it, was, it was exhausting.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. There, there's so much. Yeah, it's just constant like flexing and machismo yes. and like, you know, even even when they're like alone of like steel. I don't even believe him when he's talking about how he like he he finally got with that one girl. They were yeah. like, you did it, but then they, of course they have to make fun of him by saying that she used to be a guy, like, yeah. like like you know, just normal like boy shit when you're a teenager. Yeah, and then also the movie always reminds you of like also how they're looked at Mm -hmm. and not just by other not just by like you know people in power and cops but even when q walks up and rahim's talking to his girl and she just immediately she looks at q and she's like yeah you and your stupid fucked up friends like you know like (laughs) And, like, by all accounts, like, Q never really does much wrong. Yeah. Like, in terms of, like, harming other people or being mean. Like, he's always a very, like, respectful kind of kid and this and that. But still, just because he's, like, a black dude who likes hip-hop and hangs out with these hoodlums and, like, mm. like it's just constant, you know, his girls, his old-ass girl's uh, <laughs> uh, ex-husband, like, you know, just, like, treats him like shit and looks down on him.
1: I didn't understand that whole scenario. You're going to have to explain that.
0: What What didn't you understand?
1: Yeah. How did uh, I guess? I'm not supposed to understand. Was their relationship legal? Like she just seemed oh, older. No, I don't
0: think it was legal. Okay. Um. Yeah. No. It's it's the it's, it's a double standard shit. You know, yeah. if it was the way the other way around, nobody would All nobody right, cool. would be because I was
1: it. questioning that the whole time. No.
0: Like- <laughs> I didn't read any of this, but I took it as just another way of painting like the way adulthood comes way too fast for these kids Um. where like Quincy's already in like a pretty adult relationship with like a woman who has her own place has been married before and shit like that um
1: that one was the only relationship that I was like, what is going yeah, on?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm so curious as to, like, how they met and everything. But yeah. yeah, but it's, the it's scene I, I
1: thought you were going to mention when you were saying, you know, how the world sees them, you know, just a scene as simple as them walking through the park and, like, that white man yeah, yeah, bumping yeah. into the lamppost. And
0: then Tupac, like, pretends to, like, scare yeah. him, you know? <laughs> There's so many awesome cameos from rappers in this movie i tried to get a definitive list but i couldn't find one and honestly most of these people you're not even gonna know who they are yeah but uh in like Rodimez's gang there was uh tretch from naughty by nature
1: naughty by nature the
0: opp guys
1: you know what opp yeah you know
0: me yeah. so <laughs> yo uh, do
1: you know the only reason i know that sister act too yep, yep.
0: <laughs> i knew that all i know is that i'm
1: down
2: with t-o-d you know what t-o-d hey, you know me you know
0: funny is Tretch actually he him and Tupac are friends and he went in uh to audition for this movie and Tupac just went with him to hang out. Huh. And then they, they were like, Hey, why don't oh. you read? And then Tupac read and they were just like Tupac read for o- for Q first, and then the right. director was like, Why don't we have you try reading this? And then it was uh
1: Yeah, I remember know. that part of the documentary. Yeah. Uh
0: one thing that I that I heard in a different interview was in a documentary was uh the thing apparently that sold it was they were pretty sure they had the four guys, but they were still kind of just auditioning them and having them like read together and things like that. Mm-hmm. And they were all on their way somewhere. And it was like the producer, the guy who played Steel, Jermaine uh, something, Jermaine Hopkins and Tupac. Mm-hmm. And they were in a cab in New York. And Tupac started to get into this heated argument with the cab driver because, you know, this was the era of uh, in no circumstances where cabs ever stopping for young black dudes. Mm. They just always assumed it was trouble. So, you, just, you know, the classic Chris Rock I uh-huh. hey, get a cab over here yeah <laughs> um, so he was talking to him about that and, and the, the cab driver was kind of telling him like why cabbies don't do it and this and that mm. and they got to this like huge argument and tubac was getting like like fucking excited like he was like really passionate and arguing with this guy and yelling at him and this and that and the producers saw that and they were like it was a mix of like how articulate and smart he was being but also how passionate and angry and like like, it looked like he was about to kill this motherfucker. Whoa. And they were like, yeah, that's Bishop. Like, they were just like that. Like, watching him do that, they were like, yeah, this guy has whatever he needs to tap into to play Damn. this role. Like, like the, the how passionate he feels about fighting this capture rapper over this shit.
1: So, real quick, I do want to mention, because you see that Q has a passion for scratching. Like, yeah. he's a DJ. He's... Um, he's auditioning for this uh cool dj competition yeah which i would totally go to a, uh if they're even still doing that but like dj versus that looks so cool yeah that was pretty awesome um, but it totally gave me vibes of the get down which i know yeah. you love oh
0: yeah big time so
1: i was like oh this is totally why i mean <laughs> obviously you love hip-hop so i knew that's why you love the get down <laughs> yeah. but like i feel like a lot of the get down was in this yeah definitely
0: <laughs> We had a slew of hip hop movies in the early '80s that I enjoy watching, but admittedly aren't that good movies. Mm-hmm. Like you kind of have to like hip hop to like them. This Wild Style, this Crush Groove, Beat Street—they're not bad, but mm-hmm. they're not. If you're not into hip hop, they're hard to recommend in terms of like you just go watch it, you know? Right.
1: So and and the boogie one, the Boogaloo.
0: Oh, that was more. Uh, you're talking about breaking, breaking two Electric Boogaloo. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are definitely more. Uh, just straight-up breakdancing movies unless about hip-hop as a whole. But, yes, that those two. Okay. So, this was one of the first times where, for me, it was like they incorporated it into an actually, like, a really good story. And the hip-hop was, like, a natural part of it as opposed to just showing off hip-hop for the I sake see. of it. And I love that another, comparing this to its contemporaries, all the other movies, Boys in the Hood, Best Society, etc., have hip-hop soundtracks have rappers in them are very hip-hop movies, mm-hmm. but they're not about hip-hop at all. Mm. Like, they're, none of the characters even like, don't listen to it, but it's not about anything, so I like that this movie naturally incorporated it into the story with Q's character, yeah. where it was actually his aspirations to be a DJ, and it kind of just made all the hip-hop stuff just feel more natural. Mm-hmm. When hip-hop was on the soundtrack, whenever I saw a rapper playing a random role in the background, I was like, yeah, because that's the world the movie's building. Like, Like, I love Boys in the Hood, but the only connection to hip hop is that Ice Cube plays a role in it. Mm. It's not. There's it no like hip hop in yeah. the, written into the story. So I, I like that about this. Yeah. Um. That's and a good point. especially the scene of him preparing before the contest when he's recording his mixtape to show Green Latifa. Mm-hmm. That's one of the most accurate portrayals of cutting I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Where I feel like movies often just show a fake version of it because it looks cooler. Where it's just like a DJ like listening to music and then every once in a while will scratch actually cutting the old school way is hard as fuck you need two records of the same thing you need to pick the the beat you need to constantly be going back and forth left to right to make sure the same part of the song is playing and if you ever miss once the whole thing's fucked up it required incredible dexterity and timing and skill and it's just never i've never really seen it as like dirty as it is in this movie when q's doing it in his bedroom mm-hmm. which i thought
1: was really cool yeah i was totally waiting for that mom comes in and is like DJ's not going to get you through school, you know? And I was totally expecting that, but it was nice to see that quick moment of his mom peeking in and being like, oh.
0: Yeah, I like that, because earlier in the movie, she does almost say that, where she's like, why don't you just get a regular job? Like, you can go learn how to fix air air conditioners and radios and shit.
1: I found that to be very funny, because it's just comparing your kid to, like, the kid next door. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, they're all just paired showing up.
0: But I do like that, yeah, that little scene of the mom watching him is just, like... Well, like proving to her that he takes this seriously yeah that he's just not saying it as an excuse because he wants to fuck around and listen to music like he's, yeah he's putting in the work to he's do he's passionate about yeah, it yeah.
1: yeah i enjoyed that
0: so yeah i'm almost ready to go into the spoiler section but before we get there the only other plot thing that really happens so yeah he meets queen latifah she's the the one in charge of the dj contest he gets into the dj contest yeah that's just an awesome that's like cool seeing this queen latifah's got so much especially that era of queen yeah. latifah has so much energy yeah i love uh, yeah i love she's when she's so talking shit to the guy who has a whack uh the, flex yeah <laughs> oh that's flex yeah oh, yeah nice. uh who's got the whack that was so uh, fun. the whack uh, set but yeah so q is all excited um about doing this and then he also finds out that his his, his crew cr- yeah his crew basically say that they're having a meeting in the morning he can't be there at the meeting, but then when he meets up with them, he finds out that they got a gun and they're planning on sticking up the local bodega.
1: SMH. Yeah,
0: so where? Uh... are <laughs> Before we go into spoilers and start talking about all the outcome of this, where was your head on this as a first-time viewer? Because well, it kind of changes the tone of the movie.
1: Oh yeah, it absolutely changed the tone. And as it changed the tone, I was typing in my phone. The stress begins, and then you started laughing at me. So my note says, "And now Andy is laughing at me." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I felt the shift, and I was. Did not you?
0: because I know we talked about in the very beginning where I was like oh it almost is a days in a confused day in the life of vibe I mean you could kind of guess that it's going to take a turn towards the criminal but did, were you surprised no, by that listen
1: I I don't know why I'm surprised every single time because you freaking love bait and switch movies you <laughs> absolutely do. like I think the past 3 to 4 <laughs> movies have been bait and switch <laughs> but I, yet I continue to be surprised so yeah I was not expecting it
0: Really so even with like all the stuff with Tupac watching White Heat and the other guy get doing the robbery—you didn't think that it would take like a criminal angle. Well,
1: okay, sorry. Yes, I knew it was going to take a criminal angle, but I didn't think it would take a thriller angle. Ah, uh, okay. I um, think those are different. Yeah,
0: yeah. But yeah, so they decided to to rob this guy. Right. And Q wants nothing to do with it, and they want to do it at the exact same time. He's got his DJing so so
1: they have an alibi.
0: Yeah, well, th- which
1: I think was pretty smart.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't even think that was their original plan. I think he was just like he wanted to not do it, so he's like, "Oh, perfect, I got my DJ set." And then they mm-hmm. were like, "Oh, fuck, that's perfect for us because yeah. then we could." Yeah. So, and yeah, it's just that scene is that great, just example of peer pressure at that age. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've all had peer pressure, but this is a completely different kind of peer pressure yeah. where there's, like, a level of fear involved in it, too, where, like, they're all friends, but, like, I almost looked at it was like, what would happen if Quincy just flat out said no? Like, mm-hmm. like you'd think, like, it would have went easy? You think Tupac would have tried to fuck him up? Like
1: What I love about how Tupac plays Bishop is it's just constantly peeling away he's like an onion like you you think you know him and then there's just a scene that reveals even more about him Mm -hmm. so you you get more scared as it goes on and it's interesting how Raheem tried to like he was that level set right like he kind of grounded the crew
0: he was kind of the leader too I I saw it as that um it seemed like he was like kind of more respected because even when they show up to like save Bishop from Radames's crew yeah there's still it's still like seven on three but so it's it didn't seem like more like the Radamez was scared, like, oh, shit, his friends are here. Now it's now they might fuck us up. It's more like because he goes, he goes, yo, Raheem check your boy. Like, yeah. it's more like, yo, I have respect for you, but he rides with you and yeah. he's pissing me off. So it seemed more like Rahim was kind of like the leader and the diplomat. He and had he, the most juice. Yeah. Like he was the one who told Bishop, like, no, we're not going in there with Blizzard. Yeah. And he did listen to him at that moment. Yeah. um Which is also interesting where there are times where I watch this where I don't really understand how... Why Rahim and Steele are so gung-ho on robbing the store because mm-hmm. it seemed like almost they're more like a like cue and they wouldn't be down with like armed robbery yeah um, they robbed the record store we didn't really bring that part up but it's that just was oh. a little bit more like shoplifting like it's definitely not right but it's it's something more in line with what you would expect teenagers with not a lot of money to do
1: right but I wonder and I don't remember the timing of these scenes but I wonder if it was Rahim's way of proving that he could provide and he is a man that could provide for his That's what Yeah, so that's
0: what I was going to say. So this, I don't know how I didn't notice it before, but this is the first time I put it together where the scene right before that is when he's staring at his girl with the, her new man and he's mm. they're getting into his car yeah. and the camera pans in slowly on the car. So I think Raheem's thinking is like, I'm, I can't even afford a car. Like, how am I going to be a man to my right. girl and my son? So if I rob this place, then I can possibly do this. So I looked at it as bishop all he had to do was convince raheem and then steel was gonna follow along like even if he didn't want to do it just because he had the least backbone of all the guys yeah so there were times where i kind of questioned the logic of that but this time i was like actually that all tracks really well in my Mm -hmm. in my opinion but yeah so then when we get to the robbery and all that stuff that's when spoilers ensue so you want to go to the spoiler section i guess you've been warned so now we're at the dj competition We got some more rapper cameos here. We got Fab5Freddy, the host of uh, Yo! MTV Raps. He was the guy in front of the camera. Uh, kind of like hosting the thing. Okay. Like, it was like a quick shot of him like talking into a microphone in front of a camera.
1: Yeah, and where was Dr. Dre? No,
0: it's not the Dr. Dre you're thinking of. There's a different Dr. Dre.
1: There's a different Dr. Dre. Yeah. He, got to, he has to change his name. I don't uh, know him.
0: Oh, he came out first though.
1: Oh no, drama. Uh, so
0: he was, uh, it was Ed Lover and Dr. Dre. He came out first. So that's, uh, he was part of the crew, Dr. Dre and Ed Lover. And they were also hosts of UMTV Raps, just like Fab Five Freddy. Oh. Um, and he spelled his name out, D-O-S, like spelled out the word doctor. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if he came out first, first, but it was right around the same time. But yeah, like they were, it was just two Dr. Dre's in the 80s.
1: Where do they have beef? What's going I don't on?
0: Know. They're fine. Interesting. Or at least as far as I know, I don't know. Yeah. So we get a couple more fun rapper cameos and then we come up to the first set with Q versus his, uh, his first opponent. <laughs> and I love this because Q up until this moment was so worried about how the robbery is going to go down and this and that. But when you see him get up there and start performing and, and competing, like, he just, like, goes into his own world. He forgot about the robbery. He forgot about everything. Like, he was doing what he wanted to do. Like, mm-hmm. it was the thing that made him forget, quote-unquote, where he felt his place in the world was. Right. You know, like, he felt above that. I also like, too, that they didn't get just a bunch of really good DJs for the scene, because I feel like a lot of the cutting wasn't that good, which mm-hmm. it shouldn't be, because it's a competition for, like, newbies. And it's a beginning. Yeah, right? so I thought that was actually really, like, smart, where they could have just easily just got awesome DJs to do, like, a great yeah scene of montages but like i was watching i was like yeah like they're not bad but they're not that good either you know <laughs> like it's not like julia styles or they're all uh... <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> um shots fire and then this comes up to a lot of my uh favorite shots in the movie is when he wins the round everyone's cheering for him like he's having his nice beautiful moment yep. he gets off stage the whole crowd is chanting his name and then like as it's a it's like a steady cam shot, and then the crowd opens up, and then your first face you see is just Tupac. Yep. Bishop just completely stoic, just like dead face, not clapping, not even happy for him, and his two friends looking the exact same way, and then yeah. you're just instantly transported back to all your real problems. Yep. And the shit that you've just pushed to the side to go do your thing and like yeah the friends like they don't respect his djing at all like anything like it's just
1: i mean they say like congrats man
0: Eh, rahim does a little bit but i think i don't think he's getting shit from the other two guys
1: (sighs) yeah that hurt
0: yeah what is it what do they have like seven minutes or something Yeah, yeah some
1: crazy amount of time where they need to get out of the club do the stick up and then come back
0: and then yeah so the robbery goes seemingly goes off fine um they the guy's fucking freaked out and I don't know. It, this is the one of those times, those movies where like the more I watch it, and the more I'm kind of getting through Tupac's kind of mindset, and like, you know, because he sh- so Tupac shoots the the store clerk, mm-hmm. but not only shoots him, like shoots him with his back turned, yep, w- without the guy even moving. Like nope. they get the money, they're about to walk out, and then he blasts him in the head. And I'm always just like, I mean, obviously that needs to happen for the turn of the rest of the movie. I, I think it just has something to do, like I was saying earlier, where. It's Tupac, him intimidating people is the first time he feels having control mm-hmm. when he spent his whole life feeling like he had no control. So he probably just never, like that guy, the guy was literally begging for his life. Like He was mm-hmm. like, please don't shoot me. Please don't shoot me. And I think like. That was almost like the spark. It triggered. Yeah, where he was just like, holy shit, I've never felt this way before. Right. Like, where I could literally end someone's life. Like, someone can always end mine. This is the first time. Yeah. I'm the scary one. I'm the powerful one. Like, you know, like, I'm not the guy on the other mm-hmm. end and he just wanted to like see what that felt like you know to pull that trigger
1: I agree but I also feel a part of it was anger or maybe a little bit of frustration yeah because I think seeing him beg for his life is something that angered Bishop as well
0: yeah because he doesn't like that characteristic at all he hates right. it in himself so I think that also yeah, helped it I think so yeah then the they they run off immediately and just, sprints uh to some abandoned little i don't even know what the hell that is it's like it's gonna like abandoned building but i don't even i don't really know what it is
1: yeah i would not be going in there
0: think about it if you're in the middle of harlem how many places can you really hide yeah. without being in someone else's property it was kind of the perfect spot like you, you can't really run and hide i don't in, even know why New i'm York saying City. that
1: because i wouldn't even be in this whole <laughs> scenario
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so where was your mind at this point like because now she just went from <sighs> from light-hearted scampy shit to like fuck
1: i was Scared in this moment to see where it was going, but I was truly the where it really turned for me was where was when Bishop shot Raheem. Yeah, that's where it really turned into a thriller for me because I was not expecting that at all, and I think that that's where Bishop became he was like a Michael Myers essentially, you know, like he was just you you cannot predict who he's gonna kill or what you know, like he didn't really have a clear mindset. I think he was just one of those firecrackers where you didn't know when he was going to go off. Exactly. And that's what made him really scary. Yeah,
0: and you always knew he was, like, a loose cannon before this, but this is the first time. I mean...
1: And he shot the guy who put him on a lead. Like, Raheem kind of had control over him a little bit. Yeah. But... As soon as he was gone, like, none of these guys could control no, Bishop. No, no. So even, that's why I of. really got scared.
0: And even, I mean, just having the gun was the first time he probably felt he could even Ugh. stop Rahim from stopping him from doing anything. Because yeah. the second he gets it, you know.
2: I hold on to the gun.
0: Why should he hold on to the gun? Because I already got it, motherfucker. And I can't believe how, yeah, like how quickly he kills Rahim, like, right after that other thing. And I got to give a shout out to Jermaine Hopkins, man. This guy's crying was so Mm, believable. Like the blubbering, gross, ugly, like liquid coming out of every orifice crying. Like, you know, like sobbing.
1: Yeah. And I really got to know if Justin Lin was inspired by this scene because it reminded me of the last scene in Better Luck Tomorrow. Yeah, that's
0: true. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, maybe he was. And I love the way also you see just the difference in the boys of like, the way steel does break down and just starts sobbing immediately because he can't handle it and q almost like he's almost more nihilistic about it all where as sad as he is he knows he has to play the smart Yeah, like he knows once he saw what happened to raheem he was just like this motherfucker is insane and if i say the wrong thing i could be next so like you just see him immediately like his eyes never leave bishop yeah but he never really like emotes either you know he just kind of is like He's always – he's, like, calculating from that moment on of, like, I need to get the fuck out of here and do something about this. Mm-hmm. So I just like the two contrasts of, you know, him cry Because it'd be one thing if they both were stoic, then I'd be like, ah, look, well, they couldn't get these actors to cry. You know what I mean? Right. But I like that it was, like, almost, like, two different types of personalities dealing with the same same thing. Definitely. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you where it definitely turns into a thriller-ish and also turns into a lot like a horror movie. Yeah. Um, it's awesome. Like, it's <laughs> – so much of the staging, like, you know – how many horror movies have that scene in a high school where you close the locker and then the oh. killer is standing or like the scary guy standing right there? I was so mad. And they do that with me. You totally fell for it. <laughs> you fell for it. Even it was in the no, documentary. Been, I
1: know. <laughs> no, but they didn't show the scary part. I had no context at all. But, you know, we hadn't seen him for a while because at this point, it's where Steel and Q have been avoiding him for weeks Yeah. or, I don't know, days, whatever it was. But so it caught me best friend. Yeah. What can I say? Small shout out to Q's little brother. I don't know who that actor yeah. kid was, but he was making me laugh. I really yeah. liked him. He was a
0: really <laughs> realistic little brother. <laughs> we skipped over a little because uh, we, went, we went right to the uh, school scene, but... Oh, we they gotta
1: talk about the funeral, right?
0: Not even the funeral, the interrogation.
1: Oh, dang. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That part's the only part that's a little unbelievable for me because I get they just have to get the plot going, but like the cops kind of know it was, or like suspect them so fast.
1: Oh, yeah. Like
0: they shoot the store clerk, shoot Rahim, then go back to the club, and then like while he's in the middle of his next DJ set, that's yeah. when the cops come. Yeah. And I was like, wait, how did they? They found the store and they found Rahim's body, and then they n- knew to get these three guys?
1: Yeah. Well, I wonder if it's because they knew they were tight with Rahim. Yeah, I guess
0: that does make sense. But it just it seemed to happen really fast. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: But uh, it was crazy where you see just how sociopathic to, uh, Bishop is, where like, oh, yeah. He, like the cops are walking up, and Q is all dazed and confused, and then he just. uh, bishop just comes right into the frame and he's just like yo somebody killed raheem like you know and like it's just like fuck man this guy has no remorse about any of it and then you also see just the different ways the three boys deal with the interrogation yeah and tupac just how fucking like
1: comfortable (laughs) laughing
0: he's cracking jokes like he's saying all the things you're supposed to say like you know but just like yeah oh my god it was crazy
1: it's like he's been waiting a long time for this moment
0: yeah and, yeah, this goes like what we were talking earlier, where I like that, you know, they, they show this aspect of life where you are going to be treated unfairly by the cops. They are going to question you as a minor without your parents or anyone present. All this fucked up shit's going to happen, and it's like a piece of your life. It's not – It's it, the movie doesn't lose track of its focus to then start talking about this, you know. Mm-hmm. They have that one great line where, you know, Q says, like, it doesn't matter what, what I say. Like, if you want us to be guilty, you'll find a way. Like, yeah. Like if you want it, it's gonna happen. So I'm just waiting to see what you decide. You know, like basically. Yep. So that was great. But yeah, that we also got the funeral scene. There's just so many scenes to talk about. <laughs> the funeral scene. Oh my god, you too S- fish episode. Psycho. Man. He goes like out of I feel like he just goes out of his way to say all those comforting words just to like torment Q. Like he makes sure is like standing right there when he says all that nice stuff to Raheem's mom and everything. Yeah. I also like the little fact um, that I never picked up on until this viewing, too, was Raheem's mom seems to know Steele and Q very well, and Bishop has to go up to her and be like, hi, do you remember me? My name's Roland. I, I grew up with your son. Mm-hmm. Like I hang out with him. And so that shows me that like because he got into so much of this criminal, dangerous stuff early, he stopped being the friend that you bring home and introduce to your mom. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, interesting. Because they all grew up together. Right. And... You know, I had this to a much lesser extent, but if I had friends who were, like, really into smoking weed or, like, really into doing things that my parents weren't that into, I hung out with them outside of my parents' house. Uh-huh. When I was 17, I didn't invite them over to have dinner before we went to the party, and then I had friends who my parents liked because, they, you know, this and that. So, like, yeah, you, it was like that. So, that was, like, a little touch where I was like, oh, oh so Roland hasn't been around the family in a while because he's probably so crazy and he's been – even if they didn't do it on purpose at an arm's distance. I see. While Steele and Q are like quote unquote part of the family because they're you know just nicer guys and he's he- he's more comfortable bringing them around the parents and stuff. Right. So I, that's just something I read into at this time where I was like it's really interesting the way he has to be like do you remember me? Like I grew up with your son. Like, yeah. He's like a brother to me. He's one of my best friends. And the mom was just like I guess. I don't know who the hell you are. You know.
1: Jesus Christ. That was so... That was psychopathic.
2: Yeah, it was crazy. And
1: just the look on Omar Epps' face. Yeah, <laughs> just like seeing through the BS and just, I I thought it was acted pretty well for someone who's not saying anything. Yeah, great his face eye acting. acting was great for, for <laughs> the rest
0: of the like f- from the moment he kills Raheem. He's just always like, yeah. I just feel like he's always trying to figure out how he's gonna get out of this. Yeah, because it's so nuts. Like you can't because like. At 17, like, I couldn't handle that stress at this age. Yeah. But at 17, like, you know, you can't, you can't go to anybody. Go to anybody, you're going to jail. Like, because yeah. you were involved in this and no one's going to give a fuck who pulled the trigger. Yep. The only way to get safe is to kill somebody, which you don't want to do, you know? Like, even if it is the guy who's tormenting you. Right. But, yeah, and so from there, they're just trying to ignore Bishop until he gets, he gets steal alone at the pool hall. And when Steel kind of calls Q for help, that's pretty much where Bishop decides, all right, this motherfucker has to go too. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry. I should rewind. I think <laughs> the the final, final turning point where Bishop decided he's going to kill these guys is when they don't save him from as the second time. Yep. So Rodham and his gang get on him just like the beginning of the movie, pull out the knife. He sees the crew, but this time they turn around and go the other way instead yep. of helping him. And uh, <laughs>
1: Steel, do you think he saw us? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, he saw you. I love
0: when he's just like, yeah, man. <laughs> like you, like you didn't even. But I saw you so like crazy when they when he pulled the knife and put it up his nose.
1: Yeah, what the? I,
0: I take I take it you've never seen Chinatown.
1: I don't want to. Uh, if that's what happens there.
0: Yeah, except it actually happens in Chinatown. Jesus. So they do it to Jack Nicholson. They're, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. Put no, it in his nose no, and then no. pull it out,
0: and then he has to wear like a nose bandage the rest of the movie. I don't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Fairly, <laughs> I'm since. holding my nose right. But I like that because Chinatown is kind of considered... Neo-noir was the term that came out after film noir kind of fell out of fashion. Mm-hmm. Film noir was named by the French. So in the 40s when they were making those movies, they weren't calling them film noirs. Right. They didn't have a name. 20 years later, French s- film students named <laughs> film noir.
1: Oh, I think this is a film noir.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, so then once that became a term anything that was noir after that was called neo-noir and Chinatown is one of the most famous examples of that of being neo-noir of like mo- modern because it's the 70s not the 40s so modern day at the time noir so the fact that they're homaging that it's a whole everything's connected right and it's awesome <laughs> Professor uh, Ma bro, yeah right so here. I think he decides that these motherfuckers are done and then <laughs> he
1: right after I said Professor <laughs> Ma, <bro."> <laughs> 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 yeah, these mofos. But yeah, Tupac murders the Puerto Rican guy. Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, Rodimus Yeah, yeah, true, true. Like,
1: true. Bishop is going down this road where he's just, he doesn't care anymore. He's just murdering whoever's in his way. Yeah. I, is there one more person after Puerto Rico?
0: No, his name is, I just said his name like six <sighs> times. It's <Rodimus. laughs> Um, no, but I thought I did find it interesting the way he kills Rodimaz, which I thought was cold blooded as mm, fuck. Did yeah. you like catch how he did it? Yeah, where like he f- they, they ran away it, from the cops, it's like we lost him. Yeah, like he it was like he could have just shot him in the back, yeah, but he wanted to disarm him and give him that false sense of security. And then he waited till he looked at him and then he shot him and said the famous Riverside, motherfucker. So he killed Raimis, and then that led to also him just not giving a fucking going to kill Steel, and that's basically where he's like, I, I, can't trust anybody. Like it's only me and Bishop and Steel. I mean, uh, Q and Steel are basically going to be done. Yep. And he shoots Steel.
1: And he somehow, in the middle of all that, decides to frame Q for all of this. Yeah,
0: it's pretty smart. <laughs>
1: We're clued in on this when he sort of pulls Sam's, Sam Jackson's character aside and starts laying down the land of, you know, Q hasn't been the same, and yep. blah, blah, blah. Do you think that Sam Jackson's character actually believed him?
0: I do because, like, the very next scene when Q goes to the ambulance where they're bringing Steel in, everybody looks at him and they were like, fuck, it's him, that's the guy who shot him. Mm-hmm. You remember that?
1: Yeah, I do, I do.
0: So the only way I, that... We've already established that Sam Jackson can get the word to everybody within five seconds.
1: I see. Because
0: that's the only way that makes sense to me. Is uh, is Because that happens right after that. That's and true. And the only... And like I already said, Sam Jackson's character doesn't make logical sense. But we've already established that he can hear information and get information out to people. To the whole neighborhood in a split second. I see. So that's why Tupac says that to him. Because then he knows that the whole neighborhood will think that Q is a killer. Which happens? That's crazy. Because the cops chase them, and then all the regular people just point at them and they're like, "That's him! It's him!"
1: That's interesting. I wanted to ask you because to me, I, I, I wasn't able to catch those small things. I just uh-huh. was like, "Oh, I guess PPO or whatever went out for Q at some point." But to me, Sam's character came off as a little indifferent in the whole scenario. But that, what you just said, makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah.
0: Plus, like Sam Jackson, just like he's been around for so long, that character that like. You know, I love that line of oh. of he's like, I'm not a killer. You've known me since I was a kid. He's like, I've known a lot of killers since they were kids. Yeah. Like, like, just because you were a kid at one point, cute doesn't make you not a killer, you know? Yeah. And so, like, to me, it just seemed like it's like another day in the jungle for him, you know? Like, he didn't give a fuck. Yeah. He gives word out that he wants to meet Bishop, you know, by the diner to, to squash all the beef. Mm-hmm. And he ends up buying a gun. But then at the last second, he decides to toss it in the river.
1: I was happy about that. Were you scared because... about that, though? Huh?
2: Were
0: you scared about that, though?
1: Mm-hmm. I wasn't scared. I was more scared about Q's well-being as a person. Yeah. So I think I wasn't scared for him because I thought, you know, at the end of the day, his morality is okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I, 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 don't, I, I know that wasn't, like, the thing to be worried about, really. Uh-huh.
0: But. No, no. I mean, but it's it's why it's there, like, in the movie at all, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it's he, he was about to also take that step towards being what Tupac was. Yeah. And he didn't want to be that, so he threw the gun away.
1: It's really, like, the biggest thing you could fight it with. Like, fight crazy with crazy. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then that leads to the brawl chase, Bishop versus Q, throughout the streets of Harlem. What would you think of this?
1: I thought it was very interesting that as soon as Q is willing to fight back, it's, it's weird how... At first, Bishop is chasing Q, and then at some point, Q is chasing Bishop. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but Remember that, that?
0: Yeah, but that also kind of happens once he loses the gun. Yeah. That's... So it wasn't until the gun's out of the mix. Yeah. But what I found interesting was everyone else that Bishop killed was always kind of quivering in fear and, like, begging him not to. Right. And it was Quincy who, like, looks him in the eye, and he's like, fucking do it. Like, kill me. And it, you see, like, it actually makes Bishop, like flinch for a second That was the turning point where he was just like and he was like oh like i'm not i don't have that this isn't giving me that power that i've been getting from this right you know and then that's what gives him the the moment to punch him in the face and then he starts running away while he's shooting him. yeah yeah so yes i thought that was really interesting where it was like his willingness to to not you know be afraid and you know give him that power Mm -hmm. was is kind of what disarmed him for a second that and then i love the the elevator scene
1: Oh. That, that was, so was crazy. Yeah, that was
0: like some like Terminator horror movie <laughs> shit. Like like right at the last second he gets on the elevator. I even wrote in my notes, I'm like, this Tupac glare is brutal. Like I, he just stares right through
1: him, He like- does. This was a moment where I just laughed out loud because <laughs> I wasn't expecting him to shoot in the elevator. It's yeah, yeah. like, oh, you're just gonna shoot me in the elevator.
0: That was like that was kind of brilliant too, cause he was like he, cause you could just see Quincy, like he's literally looking around, like, what the fuck can I do right now to yeah. get out of this? And then so he's just like, What do you do, shoot me in the elevator? And I love how like like six people immediately grab Bishop's arms and like lift them in the air. Like they're all just like, not in my fucking neighborhood. Like get the hell out of here with this shit, like <laughs>
1: Oh man, oh. that was so yeah. sc- scary funny.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now Q is chasing Bishop. To me, it just seems like he was just like, "Fuck this guy!" This like he was just like, "I might not kill you, but I'm gonna whoop your fucking ass." Right. <laughs> like, like you deserve you deserve a, a whooping. <laughs> but yeah, the chase leads up onto the roof. They have some fisticuffs. Bishop ends up taking a tumble over the side of the uh, building
1: after he tried to save him.
0: Yeah, what's your take on on this part ending? I don't know. slips out. He's begging him to pull him up. And then he slips out.
1: I don't think he was really trying hard to save his own life, though. I feel like he could have made a better effort. Yeah. Because I do think that Q was really trying to save him. Yeah, but
0: he was begging him to pull him up. He was like, don't let me go. Please don't let me go.
1: Please, please. I might have to watch this scene again because the way I watched it was it just seemed like even though Bishop was begging him to pull him up, he wasn't really trying to live.
0: Alright, I guess I'm gonna follow on this. uh Oh, so I've never was able to pinpoint why, but I always felt the ending seemed like a little underwhelming and like rushed. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 final fight into just the classic like villain Hans Gruber falling off the side of the building. Uh huh. It just never sat that well with like I never thought it was that awesome of an ending for a movie that I really liked. Yeah. And I never really knew why. And then I finally uh, for the 25th anniversary. They released what was the original ending, Hmm. uh, and like the original script, and it's very similar. It's really just they they cut it differently. So the way it was supposed to end, and uh, they didn't actually put this out until the DVD, the 25th anniversary Blu-ray, and the way it happens in the script, which I think is way better and fits thematically with the whole story, is they have the fight on the roof. You know, Bishop goes over the edge, Q grabs him, and Q's trying to pull him up. You know, the same way, and he's he's holding on. And then... um,
1: He tries to pull him down with him. No,
0: no. uh, Tupac, he doesn't want to die. He's like nervous, Bishop. But then he he hears the police sirens coming in the distance. And when he sees the police sirens, you literally see his face expression change. And he looks up at Q and he's like, I'm not going to jail, man. And he's like, no, no, come on. I'll pull me up. I'll pull Uh you up. And then he goes, no, I'm not going to jail. And he lets go and kills himself. Pretty much similar to White Heat, the movie he was watching earlier and that ties into him thinking about his dad how his dad was after jail yep. how he never wanted to lose that control over his life yep so that was the original ending that they filmed to put in the movie and then when they screened it for test audiences they all unanimously hated it and then that made the studio force them to change it wow and so this all this test audiences they hated bishop so much that they thought that that original ending gave him like too much like agency <laughs> and they wanted him like to get his comeuppance as a villain. Like, cause Dickerson, Tupac, all these people, they were all felt unanimous that like, that's not his character to then all of a sudden start begging for his life and mm. then scream, no. And, and, and like the first time he fell, he wasn't screaming, no, you know, like they had to put that in with ADR and shit like that. Yeah. So the studio is basically like, no, we want it to be like more of a morality tale where, you know, he makes all these bad decisions, but then at the last second, when he sees like the consequences, which is death, he, he, becomes fearful and like sorry for what he like you know like like we basically want like to humiliate the villain basically like like to be like oh no like I was wrong the whole time Duh, now I'm dead you know and uh, like it just it didn't fit the theme of like the control and all that
2: mm-hmm. that
0: I that I was getting earlier of you know and Tupac grabbing his own destiny like I felt like it would have been a bigger fuller arc right than have him just kind of crying and and like to, literally to the point where Ernest Dickerson was in an interview was saying that like. When he brought Tupac in, like Tupac was so pissed that that's what they were doing to the character, uh, and he was mad too. And he's like, "Listen, dude, I know it's bullshit. It's all bullshit." And when it came time to record the scream, Tupac was even like, "Can I just do like a bullshit half-ass scream?" And and Dickerson was like, "Half-ass it." Wow. And because even in the movie, it's like, ah! and yeah. then like it fades away. Like it's so, it just doesn't really work that well. Yeah. So yeah, that was the original ending. And so I'm not surprised that you were like. To me, it seemed like this, but then, like, it didn't seem like he was trying to save himself. Right. Because in the original ending, he wasn't. But then the way they recut it, you were supposed to think he was trying to save himself. Uh, That's kind of why I was asking you. I was like, oh, why do you think that? Yeah. But because they didn't didn't go in for reshoots, they just re-edited it. I also
1: thought it was interesting, though, that the studio didn't push to see him dead. Because we never see Tupac land. Well,
0: that would also require reshoots. Like they didn't—they oh, didn't, didn't want to so. get the cast back together and go and shoot newer stuff.
1: No, I know, but either way, they could have showed Tupac dead. It to me, it almost—but but they
0: were already done with photography. Like they weren't filming anymore, so no, if they I didn't know. get that shot, how are they going to show him dead? No,
1: but I'm saying initially, when they shot, th- when they were shooting yeah. this, I thought it was an interesting choice to not show Tupac's dead body. Oh, uh, okay. You know, yeah, to yeah, not yeah. have that shot there.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess so. I don't I know don't why, know I chose why
1: not to. it kind of like I I'm just curious why they chose not to show that. I don't know. Because to me, you could even be like maybe he did survive that.
2: Yeah,
0: that's like if this was a comic book movie, yes. I don't really, I I think this movie was too realistic for me to ever believe you would survive falling off a New York City, Mm, the top of a building. I guess so. If this was like Ninja Turtles or some shit and Mm. the villain felt like Loki falls off the thing and Thor, yeah, he comes back the next movie. Right. That, totally, yes. In most movies, I think this movie earned, I never questioned him that. I, I didn't understand. think there was going to be a juice, too, where he fucking crawls out of the sewer and he's like, I survived, you know, yeah. Like time for me to get my revenge.
1: But I feel like by showing his dead body, you're kind of showing like that definitively I agree. he was wrong and he deserved to die. Yeah. But I thought it was an interesting choice. Like they actually made a choice not to show his body. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I feel like that's a statement in itself. Yeah. I don't know what it means, but I just feel like that was a choice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think because with the original ending, where the th- the idea was him killing himself, I don't think that leaves any ambiguity of maybe he survived. So maybe mm-hmm. that's why they didn't feel the need to show the body. But then uh, with this new maybe. ending, it actually would have helped by showing the body because it was it this the new ending was more like the ending of a Halloween sequel. Yeah, like it was like we get the killer, we're at that last scene and then we stop him. Yeah. Which is fine for, like, I love slasher movies, I love Halloween movies, I love Jason movies. Right. I just think that this movie was a little, deserved a little bit more of a, ending that was being built up throughout the whole movie yeah uh but i do like the, the 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 new ending did give them that final line though of you know you got the juice now and he just looks disgusted hmm. i do like that so yeah. i do like that this new ending did give oh so that. that wasn't
1: part of the original
0: I, no it, I, I don't think it ended with that i think they added that
1: interesting i was like damn you all were watching this whole time
0: <laughs> yeah exactly
1: <laughs> they were mad quiet too i think that that Change of ending is causing so many questions that we wouldn't have had with the yeah, original. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I, I truly, as much as I love this movie, I think that ending is pretty weak. And all the until literally yesterday, I didn't know there was a different ending. Mm. So it's like it always just was like, I guess they just like ran out of ideas. And then, but now like, it like totally reeks of a re edit, right? You know, and and ADRing new lines in, you know, over it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I thought the ending was very abrupt.
0: Yeah. It was. That was crazy. Um, but I, I also like that it quickly cuts back to showing them as friends one last time. Mm. When when you see them walking down the street laughing together just to, like, remind you of, like, where we started and where we ended. Those you know, like bastards. How, like, the beginning of the movie seems so lighthearted and, like, silly. <laughs> Before we wrap it up fully, uh, there was some crazy uh, Tupac on set stories because um. Tupac was a pretty wild man. Oh, man. Um, people have also said, too, like, I've heard a lot of comparisons where they were like, the persona that Tupac would eventually take on more and more, they feel like he was being more Bishop than he like all that gangsta kind of like criminal lifestyle that he would always portray kind of came after this. So a lot of people are like, I wonder if like playing Bishop like got in his head a little oh, bit no. and things like that. Come on, he was already doing some like pretty crazy stuff, but you know because he's he's both of his parents were Black Panthers and like it was always a lot more activism based,
2: right? You know, and yeah. then
0: later just became kind of like jewelry gang life gang signs west side you know that kind of stuff yeah uh like machismo type things so i thought that was interesting but um he was disruptive on set he would he would leave a lot like just kind of walk away like so if he ever felt like oh it's all bullshit he would just leave and fuck the whole day up with filming (laughs) Mm. uh this isn't that crazy of a story, but. jermaine hopkins the one who plays steel one day he was just getting so sick of tupac constantly leaving that he decided to fuck with him and told him that uh that he was getting fired off the movie (laughs) and then like tupac like fucking changed everything and came like all humble the next day on set and then you know he hates being like that so then when he found out it was a lie like they got (gasps) into a fight like they 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 fucking fought over that shit (laughs) like he went up to him and just fucking threw some fists at him
1: that's crazy
0: but uh yeah there's some other shit like he, uh, he would constantly like meet local people and ask them to hang out and this and that and uh, bring them to his trailer and like one time some, some local dude stole some jewelry out of his trailer and then he ended up finding him and then fucking him up real bad and uh, one time when they were shooting uh, shots started going off because they were shooting on location in the neighborhood oh my god uh, and this was all stories from Jermaine Hopkins that he told later and he said like He still to this day, it's all like hearsay of exactly what happened, and he doesn't even like nobody got shot and nothing. They didn't see any like bullet holes or anything. So he's like, it very well probably was like warning shots. I don't know if anyone was shooting at us. Like Mm -hmm. you know, I don't think there was that. But he was saying it could have been the Tupac thing because it could have been the guy he fucked up over the jewelry. After he got robbed of the jewelry, he started going around screaming "fuck New York" everywhere he went. You know, because he's a West Coast guy anyway. So he already, so like he was just making sure that the neighborhood could hear him. So he was just be like, fuck New York, New York people are pussies, like all oh, just talking mad shit. So it very well could have been that <laughs> that oh caused the gunshots. Oh my God. And, uh, <laughs> but the other thing that I, that I thought was interesting that he was saying that I never really thought about when people make movies like this, he's like, he's like, you know, because we're showing up in these neighborhoods and, you know, we're, we're shutting down streets and we're filming for long periods of time and people who are doing street hustle shit. <laughs> their businesses are closed because of us. That's if they normally sell hilarious. drugs on these corners, they can't because we're here. And this just could have been them just trying to scare us off or even just reminding that like, yo, you guys are visiting. Like you, this isn't where you belong. Like don't fucking get comfortable and think right, this is some shit. And he even, he, he, uh he compared it to, he's like, it's almost like just like being in the jungle and like you hear a lion's roar and like, you know, he's not attacking you, but he's just reminding you that like <laughs> you're in his domain and don't fucking get it twisted. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Wow. so yeah there was some some wild two bucks shit going on
1: that's crazy
0: all right well we'll we'll get the final thoughts eventually but want to have some fun with the best worst
1: yeah <laughs> best worst celebrity surprise Ooh. you could guess my best
0: well this one's funny because none of these were celebrities really at the time
1: oh i guess this is only relevant for me
0: but i'm saying <laughs> like sam jackson wasn't a celebrity when he was in this movie i guess not and i'm mean, cool Tifa kind of was but I guess, but from in retrospect. Yeah, in retrospect. I mean, I know yours is Queen Latifah. It's either her or Sam Jackson. Mm -hmm. I don't know which one. They're both awesome.
1: Yeah. Well, you pick Sam Jackson because Queen's all me. All right. I'll take Sam Jackson. (laughs) And for worst... I'm
0: going to say Fab Five Freddy only because they didn't do anything with him. He's just there for five seconds. He's uh, like, hey, it's me, Fab Five Freddy, and we're here. And then it cuts away. And I was like, oh, you could have done some more with that. (laughs) I feel like you didn't know any other ones.
1: Mm. No, I didn't. (laughs) I actually only wrote a best. But I have to pick a worst to stay with our structure. Um, I'm just going to go with... I forget
0: who it is, but I know the guy who plays Raheem's girl's new man, the guy with the car. He's Uh a rapper. I can't remember who he is, though. Oh, snap.
1: That's cool. But he doesn't have any lines. (laughs) Yeah um i'm just gonna go with flex because i thought that scene with him and queen were really was really funny okay so um wish i could have seen more like if i'll we take had it just... but we're,
0: we're stretching the uh definition on celebrity pretty thin flex
1: is no flex is a celebrity he was on girlfriends he was on girlfriends but that he left girlfriends to have his own show one-on-one uh, okay and also i think he's a rapper himself fair enough he's a celebrity i'm just saying
0: like are you talking about Sam jackson queen Young, i'm
1: tagging flex in this he's <laughs> gonna be so mad at you
0: it's <laughs> cold as ice
1: <laughs> all right what about you
0: I, and i mean this more as uh like an actor portraying the character standpoint but best worst like main character like main four the four kids
1: making us choose yeah
0: but like not not as like a, like as in uh like our portrayal sense
1: okay only in a portrayal sense yeah yeah got it
0: not like in a morality sense Mm -hmm. i had to i had to give it to tupac just because i mean this was a star making role he was first movie fucking pre pre any of his albums he totally stood out but i gotta give a runner-up to jermaine hopkins who plays steel i think Mm -hmm. he crushed it
1: yeah i'm gonna have to go with tupac as well i do agree that jermaine crushed it but I think that Tupac should have gotten, like, an Oscar or something Seriously? for this role. Yeah. Nomination, whatever. Nah. Was this movie not nominated nah. for anything? No. Nah. Freaking. <laughs> <sighs> NAACP awards? None?
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't I didn't look that deep. All right. <laughs> I and I don't. So, for my worst, I definitely wouldn't say he's bad by any means, but I kind of think Raheem was the weakest. Yes. There were certain times where I just didn't believe him, where, like, he would just go He's supposed to be like getting mad, and then he would just be like, like, yo you guys are br-. I, don't, I can't even think of certain lines, but there's just certain times where I was like, i he- I hear the acting like mm-hmm. I don't know if i if I feel as natural it coming out of his mouth as everyone else, but not to like a distracting sense. It was more just if I had yeah. a pick one.
1: sorry to bring up girlfriends again, but that was one of my pet peeves when he came on to play Daryl.. Really? I just felt like he was acting, whereas when Flex was on, I felt like they yeah. were in an actual relationship, so. But yeah, I, I, I thought he did a great job, but he'll have to be my worst as well. Yeah,
0: it really sticks out to me in the living room scene because Omar Epps and Tupac are killing it acting. And then when he has to try and like break them up, he's like, guys, chill out. You're brothers. Like, I just, I was like, yeah, you're in a different cat, like, league. Like,
1: mm.
0: I don't know. Like, these guys are just, if they weren't as good, I wouldn't have noticed your delivery, but because they're so good. Yeah. It's, uh, so I had to give it to him.
1: <laughs> this is a random one Best Worst Flex. I I put DJ Scratching for the flex, like, you know, showing off a little bit. It's not truly a flex. The real reason that I'm doing this as a best worst is because my worst flex is there's a shot in the movie where the four guys are walking down the street in, you know, classic (laughs) 90s attire. (laughs) And Omar F's character has his hands in (laughs) in his pants.
0: Like fully in his pants. (laughs) <laughs> not even like kind of like hanging off the edge kind of cool like yeah. like hands right over yeah. his dick like just just fully covering his dick with his hands
1: worst flex of all time <laughs> i was like what do people walk like this uh, that's crazy
0: yeah that's funny
1: so i guess this, we don't have to make yeah, it the I best don't, horse. I, I don't have
0: a flex i don't, I don't know <laughs> i thought it was funny when tupac told radamez that I would have been your father, but the line was too long. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was cool. That was, was cool. <laughs> the line was too long. That was my
2: favorite. For you. I
1: also thought the haircuts were interesting. Like, I, I, it was like a.
0: Tupac's hair was wild.
1: Yeah. <laughs> i didn't i wasn't like a huge fan
0: because he had the classic 90s like sides of the head shave yeah but then it like yeah the the high top wasn't like flat it was like one side was higher than the other and like folded over itself i
1: wasn't a fan of that (laughs) it's pretty cool i think (laughs) oh my god i think if he wasn't as good looking it would it wouldn't work Um, omar kind of had that haircut too yeah i wasn't feeling it all right
0: i'm gonna just i'm just gonna Weave this into my last one because mine was best worst, uh, like style, oh, like okay, dress and okay, shit. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's going to be my worst. So I'm stealing
0: that. Okay. My worst, I think, was Steel's overalls. Oh, no. I didn't like them. <laughs> they were mad corny. <laughs> Damn.
1: I knew you didn't like f- his style. <laughs> I was like, wow, he's really out there. I like it.
0: <laughs> oh, man. And then I think overall, I got to give it the Q for best style. I just think he's always like looks the freshest but I gotta give it up the one time when they do go to the club and Tupac does dress up he looks pretty dope <laughs> like when he's in the interrogation with the cops that's pretty He looks funny. pretty fly like he's, he's got the hot shirt and shit he does uh so I give him I give him the style
1: yeah I would say Q had the best sneaker game <laughs> for sure but I don't know I'm gonna I'm sticking up for steel he'll be my best all
0: right I love Raheem's like the pretty boy nobody pick, we didn't pick him <laughs> Actually, that kind of confused me, too, because I feel like Raheem was, looked like, to me, like, he would be, like, the, the like, pretty boy one of the group. Like, the, yeah. the, the, the good-looking one who gets the girls. But, like, Q is the one who, like, distracts the record store lady. Oh, I, yeah. Like, you know, he's, like, he's the cute one.
1: Oh, yeah. For <laughs> yeah. sure. He was definitely smooth. I love the hesitation in that scene where when the lady smiles, yeah. he, like, doesn't want to do it, but he continues. That was good acting because
0: I felt like it could have been a corny gag if he was like
1: ooh
0: you know like yeah. like cause, I mean, he just sees it he's just like alright like you <laughs> know like, like his eyes just say that like. yep. uh, one thing I wrote about I forgot to mention said. it's not important but for that <laughs> scene I never noticed that this doesn't make any sense at all is I've seen this movie a million times I know this scene very well but the o- I didn't notice that the only reason that they go to that scene is because Q is like yo I need records for my audition tape let's go to the record store oh. But then how is it that the other three guys are the ones who choose which records they steal and he's the one who distracts like if he's the one who needs the records, shouldn't he be choosing them? Yes. It just—I was like, I was like, I don't know if this makes any sense. <laughs> and I was like, he needs these; they don't need them. Yeah, unless <laughs>
1: but, it was like some sort of weird challenge. Because
0: like, I've always thought it was like I was like, man, I feel like Rahim maybe like it would be the one distracting her. And I was like, wait a minute—he really should be because Q should be the one picking out the records for his fucking mixtape. Totally. <laughs> so that didn't make any sense. Though. That's funny. I was just picking some nits.
1: Whoa, you're picking your own nits. Hey,
0: if I see a nit, I'm picking it. Alright. Uh, but yeah, that was my last best worst. Oh, did you have a worst style? You stuck up for steel.
1: No, it was the hair. Oh, the yeah. The haircuts. Yeah.
0: So, Bishop's haircut? Yeah. All right.
1: And technically cues as well, I think. I'm sorry. He had that sweet bowl hat. That he was did. I, I lived for the bowl hat back yeah. in the day. I love... You know, what? I'm bringing it back. I'm yeah, buying you, one.
0: You get a bowl hat and I'm going to get Two shirts that are two sizes too big.
1: (laughs) I told you, you could rock the oversized sweater.
0: (laughs) I'm getting you one. (laughs) All right, Uh, should we go beyond? Yeah. The crazy thing about beyond the credits, and I didn't double check to see if this was true, but I was reading the IMDb trivia, and they were saying that there was radio broadcasts over the end credits that tell you what happens to Q and everybody. What? And... I never, maybe I just didn't watch the credits long enough. I've never seen that. But it's also IMDb, so it might not even be there. But apparently they added it in. It was another studio thing where they say that Q is, like, not, is absolved. Like, you hear, like, a police dispatch saying, like, we've learned that Roland Bishop was the killer. And then somehow you find out that Q ends up, like, getting, like, a DJ job. Like, I don't know. Whoa. Something like, I don't really, care. I don't think that's really necessary. Like, I think you can hunt in for I like yourself. it.
1: I love extra closure.
0: No, I take it as. Why do you need that if you already had the scene of Steele in the hospital telling yeah. telling the girl, I can't remember, I think it's Yolanda, I can't remember her name, that it was the one, like, they literally had a scene where he goes, Bishop did it, Bishop shot everybody. Yeah. Over. For the plot purposes, I don't need anyone else, like, now I know that the world is going to know that he did it, It's you know? true,
1: it's true. But, I mean, I don't mind it.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh. So, yeah, maybe I- that's there, but I haven't double-checked it.
1: <laughs> no, I see, I see. Because of that scene, I think Q actually does get absolved and-
0: yeah, and I think Q never goes near a world of violence ever again. Oh, absolutely! I think not. he picks his friends very liberally after this. I think him and Steel remain close, but uh, or at yeah. least like as close as you could be. Yes. Because another thing that this movie touches on that. I like, and, you know, we've talked about it, like, when we watched, you know, Good Boys and and other movies that are more lighthearted. Just that thing about, like, when you, just because you grow up with someone doesn't mean you guys have anything in common, doesn't mean you even like each other. Yeah. Like, so, this movie's also just about, like, looking at your friends and being like, dude, two years ago, I would have done anything for that guy. Mm -hmm. Now I don't even know him. Like, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, so, yeah, him and still might not even be friends. Like, they might just grow different, you know? Like, once you leave high school, you then choose the people in your life, as opposed to picking out of a group that just happens to be around you absolutely so i found that and so yeah it's just i think yeah i think he goes on i think he has a pretty successful dj dj career i know there should be i don't think there should be a sequel
1: i no absolutely not. and even if
0: i had to force the right one i don't even know what it would be (laughs) like unless i wanted to go super schlocky and it is michael myers where you find out that bishop (laughs) survived. survived yeah and then q's in college and then he's like murdering like
1: I think that's the only route you can go that would be interesting enough to, like...
0: And it would be so dumb that nobody... Like, people would, like... As long as if you shot it the way, like, Blumhouse makes Happy Death Day and, like, that new freaky movie. Like, I forget the guy's name, Christopher something. Mm -hmm. Like, his style where you're just intentionally, like, playing up the silliness of it all. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. If you try to make an earnest, serious drama retell... Like, Juice 2, I don't think it's gonna work.
1: I also think, you know, now that... I know that Tupac is yeah. as if you just... If Tupac's not around, don't even touch it, you know? Yeah. But she's not. You don't know. Oh, true, <laughs> true. I wrote this song a long
2: time ago, a real long time ago. Feel me? I wrote this song a long time ago. It was the dopest song I ever wrote in 94.
0: <laughs> so, Masha, there was a couple reasons why I thought I could get you to love this film. mm um so before i showed it to you some of the reasons i picked it um was a i just knew your general disconnect to black films of this era and also your want to connect to them (laughs) so i figured i remember specifically when you watched the documentary you're like i want to watch that movie and then you just we never did so i just knew that that would be an easy selling point of just being like it's a seminal black movie from an era that you haven't seen a lot from i knew the celebrity cameos. I knew Queen Latifa was just gonna help. Like I just knew it wasn't gonna hurt to have Queen Latifah have not a big role, but she also doesn't have like no role. Like it's it's it matters in the story. Yeah. <laughs> so you got Queen Latifah. Um and then also just I think the messaging behind it and the kind of the realism in which it shows this lifestyle. Figured if you were enjoying it in Save the Last Dance, it would be hard to not enjoy it here in my opinion. I could be wrong, but that's just how I feel. Uh, where it just felt a little less little less sanitized of a version than that. Mm-hmm. And the Tupac factor, I know, again, couldn't hurt. I know you've never seen him in a movie before. And arguments easily could be made that he gives better performances later in his career. And I would totally believe that. This is just my favorite one. But um, he's great in Poetic Justice and Above the Rim and stuff like that. Poetic justice is probably the one he gets the most praise for. It's him and Janet Jackson.
1: I can't wait to watch that movie. (laughs) It's a good one. And then Omar Epps, seeing him in this, made me remember, like, oh, I have to watch Love and Basketball. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, and then you can watch
0: Tupac and Above the Rim, and then everybody's in a basketball movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, I just thought uh, you would appreciate the kind of just the raw portrayal of it all. I knew that you weren't going to be that into the fact that it was violent and things like that. Yeah. But I also didn't find it I knew it wasn't unnecessary violence and it wasn't just a movie like trying to just f- flex as I learned. Huh? <clears throat> it was a movie that wasn't just trying to like flex and be cool. It wasn't like glorifying any of this stuff. So that I thought would kind of help sell you on the storyline where it wasn't just like look at these cool dudes with cool guns killing bad guys. You know, <laughs> like it was like an actual morality morality tale in it. Uh, with great acting uh, and yeah, you know, black filmmakers, black story good acting and a couple of performances from celebrities that you like those were why I thought maybe, just maybe <laughs> Masha might love this but that ultimately is your decision so it is time to reflect and answer do you love what I love?
2: Love, love it Love it
1: i love it this is hard andy i know so i think that you bring up great points (laughs) why are you laughing
0: it's It's just it's funny all right it's funny when we try to like soften the blow (laughs) like (laughs) like, whatever (laughs) because i do the same thing but god
1: god i think you bring up amazing points Mm I think you nailed it with, you know, the cast got me. I have been very passionate about revisiting this time period and iconic films from this time period Mm -hmm. and watching them. So I actually appreciate you bringing them up on this because, you know, I, I feel like I can't I don't know what other time I would have to watch them. So. Thanks for that. Mm-hmm. One thing that you didn't mention, though, what made this a strong contender for me was the thriller aspect of this. Because oh, yeah. I do love thrillers. And the fact that it changed from a day in the life to a full-on thriller, almost horror movie, really like drew me in. Like I wasn't expecting that at all. And I think that it helped balance the amount of violence that was happening. Like, I... Was it was willing to take that because of the thriller aspect of it and how freaking scary and crazy Bishop became. Yeah.
0: That was, sorry, I should have thought of that.
1: But then I'm like, what's my definition of love? <laughs> because in reality I do not want to see this movie again for another <laughs> ten years at least. Cause it was a lot. It was a lot for me to watch, even though I love the thriller aspect of it. Uh-huh. So I think where I'm going to end up is that I really, 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 really like this film, mm-hmm. but I don't think I love it. But I really, really, really like
0: no, it. No, I, I feel you on that. I, <laughs> I can see it. I can see it.
1: There's so many great things about it. I love the filmmaking aspect of it. Thank you for bringing all those like behind the scenes. and.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it really helps that it's a cinematographer's first movie because yeah. there's some really interesting camera work in here.
1: Yeah. And Ernest, man, I want to check out more of his work. Yeah. So, I thought that was all awesome. I I'm sad that I went this far in life without watching this movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I at the end of the day, I just like I won't. It's not like my top. Yeah, you know?
0: yeah, yeah. I understand. I but understand.
1: I I really really enjoyed it. That's though.
0: That's awesome. That's that's all I can really hope for. I mean, I can't. Uh, we're not we're not each gonna love every movie the other one picks. And you know, I, I do think we've had some success with that. I think mine is bringing down the house. St- <laughs> neither of us has picked a movie. The other person was like, oh, fuck this. You know, like <laughs> we've, all, you we've all either liked it or loved it, which yeah. is pretty cool.
1: cool.
0: Okay, folks, that is our show. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. Also, if you have the time, take a moment to rate and review. Every bit of feedback helps.
1: I'm Masha. And
0: I'm Andy. And I hope you love what I love. Oh, 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 oh,